All right, I'm here with Greg Scott. Uh, what would you say your uh, profession is? Well, I'm uh, the keeper of the vision for Fellowship of Faith Community Church. And where's that located at? We're located in Gallipolis, Ohio. All right. Now, a couple questions for you. Um, what do you think of the Star Wars uh, movies themselves, the original trilogy and the new trilogy? Oh, sure, I love them. They, uh, I remember back in 1977 going with my dad to see the original one uh, open at downtown, uh, my hometown, lying all the way around, blocks and blocks, people waiting to get in and see it. I was hooked right from the beginning. And uh, have you ever heard of uh, the fan community, such as fan films, fan audio, fan force? Sure, yes, I have. What do you think of those? Oh, I like them. I've been to several of the uh, websites and checked out some of the things. Love watching the fan films. Uh, actually starting to get into the hobby of making some fan films myself, too, with a good friend of mine. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Greg. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, go ahead and plug uh, the website for the church. Uh, it's uh, www.ygod.org. That's the letters Y-G-O-D.org. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Requiem of the Outcast. So far tonight, we've got all kinds of grudge matches here, ladies and gentlemen. We've got cage matches. We've got Texas death matches. We might even have a Braun panties match later on. Yeah! All right, and first up, we have Ron Sexy Boy Garner! I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the look that drives the girls wild. I've got the mood that really moves them. I said chill, up and down their spine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. Oh, this is Ron Garner. I'm here to tell you, brother, that Requiem of the Outcast is the best show out there. I challenge you to find anything better. And accompanying him to the ring in an intergender match, we have. <laughs> <laughs> we have Janine. It doesn't matter what you do, she won't like you anyway. Garner! You love so good to me. I'm Janine Garner, and I hate outspoken people! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's right, she's coming to you out, out of her mind and out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Rich, the announcer, leader, guy... the angst-ridden guy who's angry at his father, Siegfried. Yeah. Actually, I'm lying. I like and I killed them all. The women and the children. <laughs> I think that's the worst hey, thing that hey, has ever Janine, been said. Janine, this is not, you would be fired if you were not, a wrestler and said that. This is, this is not like Oprah. This is, <laughs> this is wrestling. I was, that, was my, that was my... No, that was my Anakin. 
second impression from episode two, you know? Oh. Uh, like, when Padme comes and brings him the blue milk to make him all better. Right. Yeah, what is in that blue milk that'll make him all better? <laughs> yeah. Is it the crushed up little blue pill it's to make some, her better? It's some cool I don't make her feel better? Uh, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I think it's a little something, something to make her uh, feel better. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> like those enzyme commercials. <laughs> Anakin, next thing you see Anakin, he's got this smile that's like eating his face. <laughs> In case you're wondering why we just had wrestler-style intros, it's because this is our fight episode. We're going to be dealing with some of the different types of fighting that we've seen in the Star Wars movies, as well as an interview slash Q&A with, uh, with a professional wrestler about fight choreography for your fan films, or just in case you get bored and happen to have some people over at your house. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so, also, so, essentially, so, it is the first time we're trying out our new mixing board. That is very sound true. We haven't we have an actual uh, sound mixing board. This is our new sound board. It's a Yamaha. And it's black, and we hope it works well. So if you guys like, if we come across sounding a lot better, please let us know. And if you like this new new way, and if we'll you continue think it's crap, it. go ahead and uh, sign on for a new logon for that month, uh, and just to bitch us out. We yeah. like it when you do and, that. And if you think it's crap, you, you know what? I don't care. Go, go cry to your mama. <laughs> Essentially, my mom is here. Hi, mom. Hi. She's here. She's listening. It's her invisible mother. She's really here. <laughs> okay, baby. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> We're going to start off the day, the episode, with the news. Don't have a whole lot of news because a whole lot of stuff hasn't really been going on. Yeah, I know. William Shatner's birth- birthday wasn't this month. I mean, I know. nothing happened. <laughs> oh, but we did switch up roles this time around. You know what? No, that's, we switched that's them right. last time, actually. We switched roles last time? Yeah. You you became the the hot one last time. Yeah, I got to be the sexy one. Ron, you're, you're the, the sexy, sexy boy. Oh. H- hence the, hence the theme music, right? Oh, my my new theme song, right? Yeah. I'm so pretty. Oh, so pretty. No, no, we got we got a better. And witty and not gay. <laughs> I feel pretty. I have my doubts. <laughs> he is very not, not gay. Not trust that, me. Not that there's anything wrong with that. He is a confirmed heterosexual. <laughs> That's what he tells you. <laughs> Trust me, and, uh, Rich. Oh, and how would you know? <laughs> All right, moving right along. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. And now for Anatomy 101. And now for something completely different. Our first, Wait, Monty, Python, re- our, our first Monty Python reference of the day. Yeah. And you know what? I like Monty Python, and I like to quote him when I'm interviewing people. Ma- I find it yeah. very appropriate at all times. And as a matter of fact, everybody that we've interviewed has actually continued on with the Monty Python quotes after we were ready to stop. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, we say, could, some people like it, but yeah. Did we get did we did did we get somebody who didn't like the Monty Python? Quotes? Who doesn't like Monty Python that, quotes? That, that, you know, I've heard that 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 uh, that Khrushchev didn't like Monty Python quotes. And and you know what? I think Stalin didn't like Mon- Monty Python quotes either. Pretty sure that Stalin, Hitler probably did not like Monty Python quotes. So Although, oddly enough, Genghis Khan, big fan. Genghis you know? Khan, huge. So what are we establishing here? If you don't like Monty Python quotes in your interviews, you're a communist. Or fascist. <laughs> you're a dirty pinko commie. <laughs> you're you're a tree-hugging hippie. If you don't like our show, you're a communist or a fascist. <laughs> Pretty much. That's all we have to say. All right. Our first news segment is that there has been a lot of talk of a Star Wars TV show. 
<laughs> that will probably come out after 2006. I is it going to be a sitcom? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Friends is off the air now. It's, um, like, it's like Han Solo and Luke and, and Leia and, and everybody's just kind of living together in this apartment complex. And it's a really new hip idea because they all kind of congregate in the one apartment. And, oh, wait. And the coffee shop. <laughs> and then, like, everybody has, like, Han Solo's haircut. And, and, they, and call che- it, they call it the Han. The Han. The Han. And Chewie is the big doofy guy that's always hitting on chicks and yeah. is an actor. Yeah. And, no, wait, that's Friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which again, like I said, it went off the air, but who cares? Um, I'll be there for you. No, they won't. They're no, gone they now. Won't. They won't be there for you. They were lying this whole time. They're Damn, off the air. They don't care about you anymore. Oh. Yeah. They said they'd be there for me. But you know, the Rembrandts are pissed because that was like the only song they ever made money on. Yeah, and that was because much. of the TV show. And that was because of the TV show, exactly. Well, the same person who did the Ally McBeal theme song, Vonda Shepard. Yeah. She was on the show and then nothing. Yeah. 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 She was yeah. ugly too. Yeah. It's good radio. Yeah. Sorry, Vonda, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I still think you're ugly. Ellen McBeal had nice you legs, funny but she lips. was anorexic. <laughs> Vonda McIntyre sucked too. She looked like a. That was my favorite show. <laughs> you know what? I'm just glad that her show uh, really yeah. carried on after, uh, e- even in syndication, after it went off the air. Not Ellie McBeal was uh, Tales from the Crypt. Oh, <laughs> good show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that, moving on. Okay, moving now on to undo, undo something else unfunny. All right, the <laughs> the uh, the Star Wars TV show um, is reportedly to take place between Episode 3 and Episode 4, which will probably uh, feature some of the main characters like Tarkin and stuff. Don't know if it uh, – I think, uh, you know, word around town is that it's either going to be a live action or a cartoon, but – and that's a telephone. <laughs> that's stupid. Why can't they do the X-Wing series from the books that Michael Stackpole and Aaron Alston, who, by the way, loves Monty Python and likes to quote it a lot, you know, why why can't they do that? Oh, and by the way, Aaron Alston has a new book out. Um, the Terminator 3 novel has just come out. Uh, it's in hardback. I saw it at Books a Million today. Yes, and speaking of authors, Alan Dean Foster just put out the Chronicles of Riddick novelization. Yes, which I picked up today, and I'll start reading. Yes, and as a matter of fact, Alan Dean Foster will be at Con Carolinas and coming we get up June fourth to sixth. Yeah, we do. I sure hope he likes uh, Monty Python. Along with the <laughs> unnamed host of Chrono Radio. Who? Who's that? Who's that? I, I don't know. I, I never heard of the guy. I think he's a hack. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I what what show is that? Hey, Chrono Radio. Chrono Radio? Yeah. And the host is who? The name that... Uh, the host The is host that the dare not speak who? his name. Hey, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> who's your friend who lives in Atlanta that you're going to crash at his house for Dragon Con? Oh, his name's Nathan Butler. No! 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 Yeah. Uh, no. no. That was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. We're going to be having an interview with Ellen Dean Foster. It's going to be split up uh, with Janine and Ron and I, along with Nathan Butler. Uh, He will be interviewing. And um, we're going to be splitting up the episode between uh, both of the shows. It's a wonderful cross-promotional tool. Basically, if you want to hear all of the interview, you also have to go and listen to Nathan's show. Yeah, and then next month will be our uh, Star Wars erotic fiction episode. What? Oh, I'm sorry. That's not yeah, for two it, more months, you it, idiot. Yeah, it's gonna be, we're going to be recording it up there with Nathan, where Janine and Nathan are going to be reading the, the Oh, the, yeah. The sorry, slash. I left the cat out of the bag on that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no pun intended, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, move. <laughs> also, for everybody out there, if you go to and, – and this just goes to show how slow of a news past couple months it's been um, – if you go to www.clockdown.com, that's clock, 
Countdown.com. You can pick up one of those uh, Episode 3 Countdown clocks until May, what, 19th, 2005, until Episode cool. 3 comes out. So, Which, essentially, May 19th, 2004, is uh, Will's Goodbye Party. Yes, but see, by the time this episode comes out, he's already gone. Because uh, this, this comes is out June Will's 1st. Goodbye episode, and he's being very disembodied and decided to go to a party with his friends from school. So, so he told his us goodbye and left. Trends. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So he told us goodbye and left. So uh, his goodbye episode is now complete, I guess. His goodbye episode <laughs> is officially a goodbye episode. <laughs> Go I know. Let's play the Star Wars Lord of the Rings game. Just a no. preview. Just a promo. Just one question. No. Just beca- one question. No, because Just that's going to be ruined by no, the listeners. No, it's going to ruin it's gonna ruin it's gonna it ruin the it. thing. No. Although, no. If you want to hear if you want to hear the game, you have to come to uh, Con Carolinas, right? But it's a good game. Fourth through sixth through Charlotte. It's a good game. We'll we'll have prizes available. We'll have prizes for people who answer correctly. T-shirts. I made them myself. Maybe not T-shirts. No, actually, Rich made them. Not for that. Oh, what for that? Maybe maybe CDs. (gasps) CDs. CDs. CDs are good. You have to talk to the producer. He knows everything. We know nothing. Then yes, you could win a, a free T-shirt at Con Carolinas if I answering those questions. So let's save those questions for them. The Lord of the Rings Star Wars game. It, it's a very very hard game to play, but it's you got to be your geek to win. Geek you got to be an uber geek because you have to know Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. You have to geek out for it. Yep. That's for sure. You've got to figure out which one we're thinking of. And okay, you know what? And that, you and know what? That's enough. That's enough. We that's don't need right. to show anymore. That's right. We don't need to show anymore. But you know what? We do need to show. We need to show some commercials from people who have made stuff and that we want to promote. We do? Yes, we do. Okay, bye. And we'll be back. StarWarsFanWorks.com presents Star Wars and Beyond. Warning. Star Wars and Beyond can contain spoilers, serious issues, discussions of a frank manner, guaranteed to be politically incorrect, psychological nudity. Hey, man, if it works for Michael Savage, it works for me. Hey, play it right, you dumb computer. What am I paying you for? This isn't backwardsville. Now that's better. Star Wars and Beyond, Episode 1, hosted by Robbie Chastain, premiering in September 2004. Scheduled for the episode, an interview with Janine Garner of Requiem of the Outcast, and the countdown to episode three begins with a look back at the original Star Wars, now known as episode four. Look for this show in September on StarWarsFanWorks.com. StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars fan audio on the internet. It's your home for Star Wars fan audio genre news, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas, with behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars fan audio community, and the only fan audio community-recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound. Please, Chancellor Palpatine. All of our hope lies within your ruling. Look, the door has been blasted open. Now, Senator Amidala, you shall die. Action! Hmm, yes. Oh, a great tragedy has. Yes, I'm very upset. 
Anakin. Anakin, please, this is senseless to fight. You'll die for all the pain you've caused me. Alusa, Alusa. You shall join the Federation or die. We are back now. What we're going to do is we had did did we actually talk about the contest for a tagline? I think I posted it on the boards, but I don't remember whether or not we talked about it on the show. I still like that tagline. Are you an outcast? Yeah. We'll probably keep that one, but I did want to hear what uh, other people, because we did have a, a contest for a tagline, and um, we wanted to hear some other people's opinions of what a good tagline for us would be. And so far we had uh, Leandar gave us Requiem of the Outcast, the Star Wars Internet show recommended 4 to 1 by Mighty Oaks Everywhere. <laughs> how about, how about, ooh, ooh, how about the offensive quoting Monty Python interviewing show? <laughs> Requiem of the Outcast, coming to you live and out loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Maddie. Requi- I've got it. Requiem of the Outcast, defending people since 2004. <laughs> May 2004. You know what? We can't do that because uh, Digital Llama Radio, because you guys apparently were so, such big fans that you'd never listened to a single episode, had a T-shirt actually that was uh, uh, Digital Llama Radio, fearing Lu- uh, fearing Lucas lawyer since 1977. So, but- wow. Yeah. You know what? And they came up with that uh, with with the idea of putting a date on stuff like that, and we can't use that. <gasps> they no. have T-shirts. They, yeah, have, they have T-shirts. T-shirts, so we can't make. Oh, uh, you know what, guys? Those T-shirts we promised you before, we can't do it now because we're stealing that from Digital Llama Radio. Because th- those guys had the foresight to they invented the, the T-shirt. Their fans would want to be clothed and not show their nakedness. <laughs> that their the, fans that the, would want to promote that they like to listen to them. They had the the foresight and knowledge to realize that the winners would get cold and we would need to cover our naked bodies. Yeah. With you some know kind what? of animal. We pet. are so sorry, Digital Llama, to presume that it was a new idea. Actually, some news on Digital Llama. They're starting their own, uh, another. Well, Digital Llama Radio is no more. They're actually starting uh, f- uh, the Force.net uh, sponsored um, r- radio show called Film Geeks, where they're dealing not with Star Wars, but with uh, films and uh, geekiness, sci fi in general. So. But wouldn't we don't know when that's copying, coming out. Wouldn't they be copying Digital Llama Radio by doing that? Yeah, about like what Dan Fogelberg or Dan Fogarty copying, uh, like being sued because he ripped off and d- did his own uh, song from CCR from back when he was in there, Run Through the Jungle and uh, whatever that other song was. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He he got sued for ripping off his own material. So I don't know if they could. Um, Just like Morrissey. Can't no. sing any songs in concert that he did when he was with the Smiths. Jeez, just just like Michael Jackson owns, owns all of all of the Beatles songs. Don't bring that up. Paul McCartney. <laughs> very, no, don't bring that up. And Paul McCartney can sing all the Beatles songs he wants. He does. All right, another one was Matty Canasta gave us Mighty Oak Two. Not too thrilled with that title because then we're ripping off uh, Nathan Butler's Chrono Radio instead of just uh, Digital Llama Radio. Um, I personally like Requiem of the Outcast, the UHF of Star Wars fan audio. Nice, that's awesome. But I liked it because it was mine. Um, um, <laughs> then it sucked because I hate you. You're such a loser. You know we shouldn't make jokes about ourselves on the show. Mm, you're right. I'm sorry. I apologize again. How we could we could be we could be we could be requiem of the outcast. Uh, the the uh, cable access of Star Wars. There we go. We're like the Wayne's World. Exactly. We're on cable channel 10 in Aurora. You knew it. Maybe we can have Noah's Arcade sponsors think, oh, wait, that didn't no, work yeah, we, out the Yeah, that, that was a pretty crappy, <laughs> was a pretty, uh, crappy uh, angle that we tried before. We didn't like it that, that Yeah, we don't. You know what? You know what? Episode 3 is the, uh, it's the friggin' Star Wars, uh, 
It's it's the Star Wars holiday special of Requiem of the Outcast. Yeah, okay, sure, it's, it's the Howard the Duck of the, it's the Howard the Duck of Requiem of the Outcast. Nathan, we don't acknowledge it. Could you just it. pull that off the, the site? Yeah, completely. episode episode <laughs> three. I would really is, appreciate it. Episode, episode three is us doing the show in the way that all of the people who sent us. Our detractors. Our detractors sent us stuff telling us to do it, and we did it the way they told us to do it. It was so bad, I almost didn't, I never wanted to do a show again. Neither did I. No, no. Neither, it was, episode four was the saving, four and five were our saving grace. Yeah, that's what really turned us back on to doing it. We, we were like, like, man, that episode sucked so bad, I, I don't want to do it anymore. It, I walked out of it feeling sick. It was so bad. I, I almost out walked out of editing it. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> I was in the process of making it sound bad, and I was like, this is too bad, I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we had Dark Lord of Smith bring up Roto, the show which turned Nasty Butler into the Mighty Oak. Nice. Which, I don't know why we keep having a why, Nathan theme through that, here. Yeah, why, is our, why are all of our, sh- <laughs> our show names based upon Nathan Butler? Come on. I don't know. It's not like we ever talk about the guy. I know. Good Widgie, Roto, only one of us is a Trekkie. Why? <laughs> when did you come out of the Trekkie closet? Uh, yeah, who was uh, it that's already made a Trekkie comment during this show? Yes, even? And, and here's I'm an- not a Trekkie. Here's another one that's referencing Janine. There is no ass in Star Wars. <laughs> what? When you were, when you were uh, knocking Second Strike for saying ass a lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you like big butts, uh, it, it's hard to and believe. And I that cannot lie, <laughs> you <laughs> other brothers can't deny. And, that and, when a girl walks in with an infinity waste running in your face, sorry. <laughs> um, also, uh, these are all from Good White. Little, good little witch got much better. Uh, <laughs> the ass of Star Wars, which I think that that's more of a knock than a plus. Yeah, know? what's yeah. up? Have you been hanging out out loud again? <laughs> You know, I think I think we'll let Nathan take that tagline. All right, knee deep in Star Wars was another one. Yeah, I don't get that yeah, one either. Let's yeah. talking about midgets. Yeah, and then it's <laughs> <laughs> midgets. And then, Ankle and, but, biters. But here, here was here was Ankle biters. here was oh, a serious I'm one. Out again. Here was a serious. <laughs> Here's another. Here's a ser- more serious one from Goodwidgey, which was celebrating Star Wars fandom. But we're not. We make fun of it. Yeah. We're yeah. <laughs> we rip we're on not, Star Wars fandom. <laughs> we're not cel- so much celebrating it as trashing it. You know, no, 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 no. We celebrate it by trashing it, which is celebrating it. Yeah. Ooh, I've got a good tagline. I've got a good tagline. Okay, what's that? Star Wars Requiem of the Outcast. Those idiots keep thinking out loud. <laughs> and getting off topic. And quoting Monty Python. Those jerks need to stay on topic. That should be or, our tagline. Or, or Requiem of the out- Outcast. Three people, one brain. No. no. Uh, or <laughs> Requiem, Requiem of the Outcast. I don't know. I got nothing. No. See, that, that, that goes back to the three people, that, one brain. That is, a, that is a horrible idea. That is a horrible idea. Three people. Wait, wait, wait. Requiem of the Outcast. Three people, one brain, one body, one no. producer. No, no. You know, I've got to jump to conclusions, Matt, you might want to try. It's a fun game. Really? Yeah. How do you play it? See, it's a mat on the floor, and you roll a dice, and then you jump to different conclusions. You can. It could be Requiem of the Outcast. <laughs> we, we can build it worse, uh, slower. <laughs> and better. <laughs> and weaker. If it absolutely positively has what to be done AOL? overnight, <laughs> call the Marines, not us. You know, Janine, thank you for no-selling my office space reference. 
Yeah, have you ever seen Office Space? Yeah. Okay. I like it. Oh, okay. Ron made me watch it. Didn't like my joke. Fine. I like the part where he <laughs> doesn't do his TP. Oh, he doesn't do his TPS reports, <laughs> and he gets fish on them. And this one time when I was at at band camp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to know where you put the TPS report. Mm-hmm. This one point, this one time at GSO school, which is ground safety officer school, <laughs> I, I came back from GSO school because I was the ground safety officer, and I named. Was that um, was that why you went to ground safety officer school? Was to be the ground safety officer, and except for I was only that for like a month, and then they made me the assistant um, aircraft training officer. But anyway, and the Marine so, Corps is a safer place. And anyway, so I we have these reports that we have to file every month, and I don't remember what they were called anymore, but I remember that I ended up rewording them so that they were called TPS reports. And that I taught all the new, I taught the new GSO who came in that he had to file these TPS reports with group every month, and he didn't get the joke, but I did, and that's all that mattered. <laughs> all right, you know, um, I think that for this month, I think we ought to have a contest for a new nickname for Nathan. Hmm. How about out loud? Now nah, that's just that's just wrong. That's a stupid nickname, that's isn't a, it? That's wrong. Who would ever want that nickname? I don't know. I think that's a good idea. I think that we should. What's going to be the prize for the contest? A new know. nickname for Nathan. A new nickname for Nathan, and possibly if some of those folks that uh, that uh, come out that aren't able to come out to the con, maybe we'll send them one of our convention CDs because they'll have a lot of extra stuff on there. Maybe That's we'll send that to idea. them. That's a good idea. And so, uh, come up with a, a clever <laughs> nickname for Nathan. Um, post it in our boards at either at TFN or uh, or Galactic Senate. Or wait, hold on. Or or if it's not clean. <laughs> and at least PG, then uh, just email it to us, and I'll call it to him whenever I, I talk to him. What about what about MS for Mighty Shrubbery? <laughs> that would be the style that I'd rather have emailed to me. <laughs> look, look, I'm friends with Nathan, but I don't want the poor guy to be completely bashed everywhere he goes. It could be, it could be, it could be, still be MO, but instead of Mighty Oak, it could just be like Mediocre Oak. Mediocre oak. Or, or missing mediocre oak. Or mediocre. <laughs> mediocre. Mediocre. <laughs> or, or it could be just kind of okay oak. Okay oak. Just, just kind of okay oak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next is an audio clip that was sent to us. About trees so much. I don't know. <laughs> Bunch of more arborists. Um, a shrubbery. Um, we've got the a path, clip. The path. <laughs> hey, hey, don't, don't don't get yourself into trouble with that python again. Oh, I know yeah, I it's can. offensive. I'll quit saying it out loud. Maddie Canasta sent us a uh, a Trekkie Switch commercial, uh, a parody of the Mac Switch ads that were playing on TV, and so here is what he sent us. Star Trek. The final frontier. I enjoyed watching the original episodes for the sheer cornball antics and for William Shatner's broken speech. The next generation did have pretty good storylines overall. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is my name is Matt Evans and I am a closet trekkie. We hoped you liked that. I loved it. Yeah, me too, since I got to hear it. I love the magic of the radio editing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys will hear it in the final episode, all right? Wait, you, you guys are you guys, kidding? We I'll don't listen to our own you guys, show, yeah, much right? less digital llama. You guys are going to get the cool, cool, the cool uh, ad. 
I got to stare at Rich for about three seconds. You that watched was me nice. scratch my eye, and uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that the was magic of editing. Actually, once once you guys, since you guys have been moving into your new house here, once everything's set up, we will actually be able to include live stuff. We'll be able to play the commercials so you guys can listen to them and everything, instead of like having to wait until after I edit it. So. Well, yeah, especially since we've got the full home theater here with the uh, with the the you know life life size theater screen and the the seats going all the way up the aisles and the yeah no you don't no I don't I didn't see that in your house that was that was a nice dream though yeah it was wouldn't well, that would be nice yeah all right um we're moving on to the rebuttals from uh two months ago <laughs> butts no not butts uh, really? we know you were like they big, big ones. butts no they're not <laughs> they're these are the rebuttals from our um our special review episode of Second Strike and Rise of Nobility um we've got a rebuttal from Nathan Butler oh let me read that one. Well, we don't have it actually in front of us. Those are, all, again, audio clips. Oh, where it's you'll audio watch, clips. You'll okay. watch me scratch my eye as I say that we're going to them, and then we're back. When can I hear it? Hey, guys. It's, uh, for those of you who are listening, if they didn't introduce me, this is Nathan Butler. Uh, Rich said... Come on in. You gotta do like a rebuttal thing for the stuff in Requiem of the Outcast number seven about Second Strike. Problem is, I pretty much agree with just about everything that they said. I mean, I know the shortcomings of it. Um, basically the approach that we took when it came to Second Strike was at the time we did not expect there to be such a thing as a fan audio drama genre. We didn't think it was gonna happen. At the time that we started making it as an audio drama, I'm not even sure that we knew that Rise of Nobility even existed, or Smuggler's Run existed, which were the other two early ones, as far as early production went. We had no idea. We were just doing it because we realized, well, damn it, we can't make this as a film. I like this story. What are we going to do with it? I don't want to see it fall by the wayside. So Chris Newsom and I came up with the idea of turning it into an audio drama. We never expected it to be the beginning of a genre. We never expected it to be a member of a genre. We figured this is just going to be a little bastard child of the fan film genre. We'll put it out there. Maybe some people will listen to it. Hopefully people who listen to Chrono Radio or Digital Llama Radio would pick up on my name or Chris's name and give it a shot. That's all we expected. Because of that, we didn't approach it in the same way that I think especially the Rise of Nobility people did in terms of quality control. We approached it in terms of let's make this something interesting, something fun, and we had so much support for Prelude to Hope and so much support for Second Strike for so long that we wanted a chance to sort of give back to that community. So when it came time for casting calls, we were able to make sure that every single person who auditioned wound up with some sort of part. Uh, the only case where that wasn't the case was with a guy uh, who took some time to badmouth Chrono Radio, badmouth the timeline, badmouth Second Strike, badmouth me, and then say, hey, let's have some fun working on it. And I whoop, I kicked his ass on out of there. It's the only time we had to expel anybody. We had a few parts that got shifted around because of time issues and whatnot, but I take it as sort of a matter of, of pride that we were able to get everybody in there who had auditioned, even for a minor part. You'll find a couple of parts where I made it a point to try to fit it into somewhere like like they had bad recordings, like their recordings were kind of shaky in terms of the quality. Uh, not not their performance necessarily, but the quality of the recording. Like in uh, Sean Corey's case, whenever he first recorded the Resistance Weapons Officer, there was some serious sound issues. Well, we just worked it in as, oh, well, that's somebody coming over an intercom and set it up that way. So it was a big deal to me, not so much to make sure that everybody was dead on exactly what I was looking for. I figured go with their interpretations. If they're a somewhat slower speaker, then that's fine. 
But the thing to me was to make sure that everybody who wanted to be involved was involved and that as many cameos as possible got in there because we really wanted to bring in some people to sort of say thanks. Lou Tambone from StarWarsWithTheZ.com is in there. Jeff Yankee from TFN Fan Films was going to be in there. James DeRuvo of Star Wars Rogue. Kevin Blades of Star Wars Legacy. A lot of people that we just try to get a chance to, to fit in there somehow. So that's where we were coming from on that whole deal. So yes, I know there were some definitely some weak performances, but that was a choice. I could have asked them to go back and do more. I could have provided even more suggestions on things, could have recast it. But to me, it was much more important to say this is essentially a community effort. At the time, it very, very much was a community effort to build this cast, and I wanted to reflect that. Anyway, uh, I just jotted down some notes while I was listening here, so if you've just listened to Recommend the Outcast number 7, hopefully this will make a whole lot of sense. Uh, first thing was just a quick correction. This is uh, one and a half years after the Battle of Endor, not Yavin. Rich misread it, I swear. It was Rich misreading it, not not wrong on the page, so Rich, shame, shame, shame. Um, the the name Ferrisol that, that Janine mentioned, you know, Ferrisol, Parasol. Ferrisol is actually a combination of Fury 161 from Alien 3 and Our Sun, Soul. I just merged them together to come up with Ferrisol because it sounded kind of cool. Only only later did I realize that if I was going to say something was from Ferrisol, it would be Parisian, and that would sound sort of like Parisian and the French suck, so whatever. Music-wise, Rich mentioned that it does have some fan-made music. The only fan-made music in there is Call On Me. The, it's got music from Star Wars, The Crow, K-Pax, Resident Evil, Princess Bride, a bunch of stuff like that. The Imperial March remix is actually, I believe, the Imperial Rage mix or the R Betrayal at Aberdon or Redemption in Aberdon, whatever. One of the many different weirdly named ones from the video game Force Commander. So that was actually Star Wars music. It was just, um, it was, it was LucasArts that did all the remixing and stuff. As far as mixing, I can't take all the credit. I mean, my name comes up a lot as they're going through there, and I did do, you know, the writing and all that stuff. But the mixing was actually split between Chris and I. I did Act 3 and all but the first scene of Act 2, but the first scene of Act 2 and all of Act 1, which I think is where the best mixing job was done, was Chris Hanel. That was not me. I was still very much learning at the time. Chris was having to teach me on the fly. The weird voice guy was Clopadine, the Jaraxican. Yeah, it was kind of hard to hear at times, I'll admit to that. Definitely, that was sort of playing around for the first time with the the voice shifting and whatnot. As far as as the different quality of the recordings and how I hit it, um, this was before I had any noise reduction software, so I'll admit flat out I was absolutely faking that shit. Completely faking my way through trying to hide this stuff. Like Duran... Clay Conquer's recordings had quite a bit of noise to them. I didn't have any noise reduction programs, so what did I do? I wait till there's a pause in what he's recording. I copy that clip and repeat that damn thing over and over and over and over again to make it part of the background sound. It's cheap. It's a cheat. It's a trick. But, you know, that w it was either that or have somebody try to re-record. And if you know anything about Clay, Clay is almost impossible to reach ever. So we just went with it that way. So, yeah, I, I, I fake that stuff. That whole ambient noise thing is just kind of a... Uh, it's it's an excuse, basically, for trying to find a way to cover it up. Had to do that on several, including uh, Amy Farrell's Crystara lines. As for the quality of it, though, this is something... I listened to Second Strike, or I listened to Second Strike one of the times whenever I went home to visit my family. It's a six-hour drive from Atlanta to Indiana, and I kept having to you know, change the volume and stuff. It really bugged me. Uh, I, I guess when we were putting this together, we never really thought about this in terms of something that people would listen to in the car or listen to on a 5.1 surround sound system and all that kind of stuff. We made it so that you could listen to it on the computer. 
We figure people will download it and listen to it just like they would listen to Corona Radio or whatever. They'll play it on the computer as they're doing stuff. Never was expected or intended to be anything much more beyond just a person plugging in a pair of headphones into their computer if they were going to listen to it with a little more detail. Obviously, we learned as we went along with the different anthology episodes that maybe people are going to pay a little more attention, but... You know, it, it wasn't a big deal at the time. We hadn't thought about it. That is why you will see this gigantic quality difference, aside from the fact that we are very much amateurs between Rise of Nobility and Second Strike, because we just didn't think it was going to be listened to that way. Uh, other stuff. The butler Universe, I like that. butler Universe sounds. Um, that, yeah, there's a lot of the get reused. You'll hear the chinking falls, the same neck breaking, the slashes, blasters. Hey, we had a very limited library at the time. As far as the word ass in Star Wars, yeah, it is used in Star Wars. It's never used as far as an animal is concerned, but ass is used referring to the body part in Star Wars. It's not often, but it is. I think the first time it appeared was in one of the early official Star Wars adventure journals published by West End Games. It's the same source of all the stories that are now popping up on hyperspace. So, ass is in Star Wars. That's why I use it. Ass, damn, and hell stayed. Uh, I don't even, I think I said piss at one point, I think that, and somebody did use it, I think piss was used in, uh, it may have been Shatterpoint, but suffice to say, the other stuff I did switch around, as far as Sithing goes, um, hey, when I do it, it's Sithing, you know what I'm saying, especially if there's like a wall and some acrobatics involved, but that's another story, um, the grittiness of it, the grittiness of the story, unfortunately, uh, well, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, has been overshadowed. Uh, a while after Second Strike came out, Matthew Stover started writing for Star Wars, and he did Traitor and Shatterpoint that are so gritty that they blow Second Strike completely out of the water. We were meant to be kind of gritty and pushing the envelope, and whew, they, they've gone much, much farther now. Uh, let's see, the line, Hide the Lightsaber, that uh, one of you liked, was first written for a script that we're doing called Sith Club. I don't know if it's ever going to be made. Uh, uh, Devin Reed has the script right now. It's a parody of Fight Club that deals with Anakin and whatnot. Um... The love thing between Shista and Lolat, that's, it, it's, it, it's played off as kind of flaky, and that was the point. It, it's not love. It was meant to kind of juxtapose and, and play off of the actual love between Jaren and Kristara. It was more, it's more an infatuation. He wants to screw her, she wants to screw him because he's not a typical asshole. Love, not so much. Um, but th that was the point. That's why he was so young. It's sort of how young guys tend to go after the, the flashier bad girls. And of course, as I say this, um, I'm sure that some of the flashier bad girls from my past would hear this and, you know, beat the living hell out of me, so I should probably move on past that. The Danvians, uh, the Danvians are empathic, uh, no, they don't have naked weddings, but, uh, you know, while we're on the subject, why not naked funerals, huh? They can, they can do a eulogy over a stiff stiff or something, right? Uh, let's see, performances, like I said, they worked out well, I was, I was more worried about keeping as many people in there as possible. Uh, it was very much easier, yes, that we did not have to deal with established voices. That was part of the point. I wanted to create all the characters from scratch and avoid having to do the recreation thing. But also, I, I, seeing established characters a lot of times feels to me like a gimmick. Like, let's tell this fan fiction story or whatever, and let's just throw Palpatine in there just for the hell of it. He has no point in the story, but let's toss him in there because, well, we need to have something to tie him into the established continuity. I think referencing events is about as far as you need to go, because that's as far as most of the Star Wars stories went. The X-Wing novels that Janine keeps mentioning over and over again, uh, the X-Wing novels did not tend to bring in a whole lot of established characters beyond those that were featured in those books, like Wedge. It didn't tend to bring in a lot of the other people. Yeah, Han got brought in some. You see Luke and Leia very briefly. 
but I like the idea of just referencing the works, or referencing the uh, the other events in other works, rather than bringing the actual characters in. The whole Jedi knowledge thing, yeah, I, I took that as, as important that Shista would not have known about it, but that just came from the original concept when Devin Reed and I were talking about it, because we were trying to deviate from Prelude to Hope. Been working on that for so amazingly long that we wanted to stay as far away from Jedi as possible. Of course, now he really only had the concept, conceptual part of Second Strike, and I've kind of stepped away from Prelude and all that, but that was where it came from. It was, it was taking the exact opposite route of what had been done before. As for uh, me singing, I'm not particularly bashful. I just don't think I'm all that good. But, you know, apparently it worked for someone who is, you know, freaking out in the middle of a cell block. So that's okay. And the last thing, uh, Errolis Duran and the whole uh, oversexed, undersexed, whatever you want to call it with, with him. If he came off as scary creepy rather than funny creepy, then it worked. Because that was the point. Um, he was meant to be the sadistic, twisted, screwed-up side that lurks under the surface of every guy when he gets all that angry. Um, he, I, I mean, he's meant to be creepy. The oversex thing wasn't just a, oh, well, he's just an imperial for the whole oversex thing. I mean, if you haven't been able to read between the lines yet watching or listening to the end of Act 2, and I'm sure you have, he rapes her. Not only that, but based on some of the things that she was meant to say, in my mind, it has not only been that he did, but some of his guards and such did as well. Because the original line, which is babbling, saying, no more, no more, it's a trick, was to say, no more men. But that was changed. But to my mind, that's still part of the, sort of the backstory of it, that she was assaulted pretty much all around, and he was sort of the ringleader of this. And the reason that he was meant to be so bad is I wanted to play again, play off the Jaren and Kristara thing, and the fact that she is such a strong character, I wanted her to be able to come through it and show that she has this strength, because in my past, I have been with and been friends with people who were victims of various forms of assault all the way up to rape, and I think that just the survivor's instinct that can carry somebody through that is an important thing, and if you're going to have a a damsel in distress that is then shown as a symbol of strength, that's about as far as you can possibly drive that person before bringing her back out of it. So anyway, um, those are the comments, sort of just random stuff that I caught as I was listening. Hopefully those came about in the same order that you guys talked about it. And really that's it. I mean, I agree pretty much with everything you said. This has all hopefully basically just been elaboration. I really liked it, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys say about the first five anthology episodes when you guys get around to it. So, thank you uh, for reviewing it, and I'm looking forward to future stuff. And we also have Keith Abbott talking about his rebuttal from our review of Rise of Nobility. Hi, this is Keith Abbott, and I would like to first say thank you very much to the crew of Requiem of the Outcast for giving me this opportunity to talk a little bit more about Rise of Nobility. So uh, I'll go ahead and jump right in. Um, you guys have mentioned that you didn't quite like my character of Jar Jar. I'm very hurt, but no, uh, seriously. Um, I know a lot of people do not like the character, and um, whether or not your, your comments were in reference to my performance of Jar Jar or just the character of Jar Jar, um, I don't know, but... I have a feeling it's probably just based on the character itself and that you, you would rather him not have been there. Well, I think that's one of the things that we had looked at and and we knew that 
you know, if you're making an episode one time period piece, to be true to the piece, to be true to the story of what was going on during episode one, during the pod race element, that you had to have Jar Jar. I mean, he had to be a point in the in the audio drama in order to make it believable. And as much as we know certain people hate Jar Jar, some of us like Jar Jar, and we found it entertaining, and especially myself, I, I like Jar Jar, and um, I know people who are clutches, I know people who annoy the heck out of me, and, you know, I have decent relationships with these people. And, um, you know, so it's, for me, it's just entertaining, and, um, you know, I, I look at them and, and do find them believable in every sense of the word. And, you know, I just enjoyed doing the part. And, um, you know, it was a lot of difficulty trying to figure out, you know, how would Alma best do this? And and Lord knows I'm not an actor. So for me to to try and do this was, was a huge undertaking for me. I've, I've never had to do anything like this before. So it was a lot of work and it was uh, certainly not easy for me. But... You know, I enjoyed doing it and had a lot of fun. And I know the rest of our cast and crew uh, found it entertaining as well. Uh, the whole process of making fun of Jar Jar and and just really going um, going all out with it was was something that uh, I really did enjoy. And you know, you could probably say there were points where, yeah, maybe it was a little over over the top, but you know, that's Jar Jar's character. He's over the top. And for me, as a supposed actor, to, for me to portray Jar Jar, you know, the best way I knew how, it, it also meant that I had to do those same things that made Jar Jar the character he was in Episode 1, which means I had to be over the top. And some of those uh, random elements that we came up with at the time ended up being in the audio drama. And um, every time I go to those parts, I, I laugh. You know myself it's just uh, it was really funny to do um, so yeah there there are going to be people who, who don't like uh, Jar Jar there are going to be people who don't like uh, Nordy and Boss Nass and Captain Tarpult but you know that's just the way things are so we accepted that uh, people might not like it and we just went with it uh, you guys had commented on Shaven Wookie Productions the name um, actually that name came about through um, being actually uh, my my former screen name uh, on Jedi Talk because I was a regular on Jedi Talk um, was uh, Wookie Porn Star and um, was something that came out of a conversation with me and Armage uh, Bedar who did one of the guards in Rise of Nobility and uh, Shaving Wookie Productions which is kind of based on that whole porn thing and uh, I don't want to go too much into that but it was just a quick name and uh, a quick graphic that I did for the website and that's pretty much all it was you guys mentioned the music was good and and I want to say thank you very much Uh, you know that's one thing that I do have a lot of experience in is is music and and writing music myself and um, you know being a music major I do have a little bit of, of experience there, so hopefully the, the uh, selections that I picked you enjoyed. Um, you had mentioned you thought all the music was John Williams. Actually, there is uh, there are a few pieces that were not um, John Williams. There are a few that were Joel Neely. 
those uh, pieces came from Shadows of the Empire, uh, which there was an album released under Shadows of the Empire by Joel McNeely, and um, it did have some John Williams music in it, but uh, or adaptations of John Williams music. But uh, those were because of the Sheezer, um the Sheezer bits. I wanted to incorporate a little bit of of uh, that music just for the reference for those who, who know Shadows of the Empire. Um, it just seemed natural to, to include Joel McNeely's music there. And I thought it did a little justice with uh, Redbeard. Some of the elements uh, seemed kind of comedic as far as the music. So uh, I, I think that worked well. Uh, you guys had mentioned that there was a little lag at the beginning before the narration. Um, it wasn't necessarily lag. That was pretty much all planned out. The music would go all the way to the end, kind of like it does in the film, and you have a scroll. Of course, we didn't have the scroll all the way through. The, the reason for starting late in the music was to A, set the atmosphere, and B, just the timing. I wanted to get the timing right from the our crawl um, versus the the actual end of the opening uh, theme. So that's the reason why it started a little late. It's just to get it sequenced right. Um, and thank you, Janine, for that comment. So uh, you guys had mentioned that the crash sequence and the kitchen chase uh, that you really liked the the mixing there and the levels were great. Um, well, I really can't take a lot of credit for that at least the, the crash sequence I can't um, most of the crash sequence was done by um, David Jacques uh, at least the, the effects were and um, I had him send me those elements separately so I could mix those in uh, a little bit more smoother with the dialogue but um, he came up with most of the crash sequence and uh, much of what you you heard was was uh pretty much how he came up with it, minus you know, some levels there. But the kitchen chase, that was quite a bit of, of work. Uh, a lot of elements going on in there and um, a lot of uh, a lot of wild lines and whatnot. Um, very difficult to edit, but uh, that that uh, I certainly was uh, happy with the, how that came out. Um, so uh, thank you for those comments. Another big thing that you guys had had discussed was the force sensitivity issue. We had some discussion about this, and um, I think maybe there had been some miscommunication between myself and Linda. I'm I'm not sure. Um, we ended up uh, making her kind of force sensitive. It, it's not exactly said. It it's slightly alluded to. Uh, Linda had thought that you know, in some things she had read that that she was supposed to be force sensitive. And uh, and I guess that miscommunication. Um, I had said, you know, I, I I don't like the idea, but you know, if if, the, if that's what you want to do, then then let's do it. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that if you want to talk about you know people having some premonitions or, or whatnot, you got to look at all the characters. I mean, Han Solo says, "I've got a bad feeling about this," and of course, we find out later that Leia has the Force ability, but she says, "I've got a bad feeling about this," and and you don't know that when you when you first see her in A New Hope, and she says that. But um, or maybe it's Empire Strikes Back. Don't 
don't remember which, but either way, you know, characters tend to say that in the Star Wars universe. I've got a bad feeling about this, and and you know, the fact that she um, alludes to the Vornsker and 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 kind of knows it's there subliminally, um, you know, it's just a feeling, and it doesn't necessarily have to be force sensitive. That was the intention originally. Um, you know, it probably would have been best just to keep it out, out altogether, but for whatever reason, um, due to miscommunication, it ended up being there. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's cut and set in stone, and, uh, you know, I, I think it could be interpreted differently depending on how you look at it. Nordy, well, that was a big thing with you guys. How does she know the future? Is it fate? Is it contrived? Um, well, you know, she's a spirit, and, you know, I, I I know I didn't want Nordy as a character originally, but it was a plot device, um, and, you know, Nordy knowing the future at the very end, um, you know, and telling that, that to, uh, to Amidawa, that's definitely subjective. I know some people thought it was funny when Amadou said, you know, uh, but he's so young. You know, and and I I think that was the point. To, after all that we had been through, it was it was a good thing to just end on something light and um and and kind of funny and and I I think that that was uh done very well in Linda's writing. So um looking back in hindsight I don't have any problem with the fact that she knew the future uh, you know, she's not a Jedi, but just because, uh, you know, there are no other ghosts that we've seen in the Star Wars universe doesn't mean that there aren't. I'm pretty sure they've done that somewhere in Expanded Universe before, more than likely. Um, maybe I'm, I'm mistaken, but uh, I don't think it's impossible that um, there are ghosts out there who may know the future. You guys mentioned you didn't like Qui-Gon. Uh, we 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 had a time. We had a, a lot of a lot of issues with um, getting Qui Gon done to our satisfaction. But you know, we believe that Eric Grove, who, who played Qui Gon, did the best job that he could possibly do under the circumstances. He had some time constraints that weren't allowing him to continue to record and. Um, we had some initial audio problems with his recordings having too much echo in, in the in the mix, and um, we did have to have him re-record, but there was just no time to, to continue recording with them. And honestly, um, out of all the people who tried to do Qui-Gon um, for our uh, auditions, you know, he he certainly nailed it compared to everybody else and and out of all the people he's the only one who could have done Qui-Gon so uh, looking back you know I have no no regrets there um, you know certainly finding someone who sounds just like Liam Neeson is is a huge undertaking and we we, we spent a lot of time looking at people but you know he was it and uh, that's what we did we went with him and um, and uh, that's that as far as narration, you guys you mentioned you didn't like our narrator. Well, you know, it's a narration. You know, I understand that you do want to set the tone and, and um, 
you know, there there are other people who I probably would have loved to have for narrators. Just that they weren't available at the time that we tried to do this. And honestly, this this was a, f- a fan project, and we wanted to have as many people with uh, the Moisture Farm Co-op to be involved as as we could. And Sean Johnston had a, a decent enough voice to do it, and uh, we wanted to give him a part really badly. So uh, so we did. And uh, Sean was our, our narrator, and uh, no qualms there. Anakin, that he was better than Jake Lloyd. Uh, Evan Slastic, he, he was the one who did Anakin, and uh, I'm very thrilled with that comment that he did a better job than Jake Lloyd. So, um, you know, apparently you weren't the only guys who thought so. I know Michael Smith really liked his performance too, so, um, and, and I know we had a, a lot of. A lot of issues getting him to record. You know, it, it's it's really tough for the small child. Um, you know, having to do a lot of lines, especially ones that are very difficult to say, and string them all together. So we spent a lot of time breaking them up into small pieces, and then uh, mixing those together. But we are very thrilled with with his performance, and um, so we 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 would like to agree with you there. Um, Shmi, she was wooden, so you say, and uh, she needed a better performance. Well, Linda, she's always said from day one she's not an actress, and uh, we agree with her. I agree with myself. I'm not an actor either. Um, but out of, of the people who, who did try out, she was the best one who could come up with a Shmi imitation, and um, she did her best. And uh, considering, I think she she nailed it as as good as anybody else could have. Um, if there's a better Shmi out there who would even attempt to do it, I'd love to hear it. Um, but I don't think you're going to find anybody, honestly. But uh, the characters, if you look at episode one, she doesn't have a lot of lines, and and she is kind of wooden. She's very she, she's she kind of plays this the same feeling she's very worried and, and um, you know she doesn't show a whole lot of emotion other than her worriedness which you, you kind of get from her her approach and her her look more so um, but we didn't have the visual aspect so um, you know trying to trying to get a, a mix between the the inflection of the voice and, and the dialogue, you know, how would she say this? And, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of work. A lot, it was a huge undertaking to try and figure out how do we, how do we do Shmi? So, um, under the circumstances, I can't think of any other, anything else that, uh, Linda could have done to improve it. Um, but I, I think she managed. She's or you said that he sounded great, not what you pictured. Um, that you considered Het's voice, you know, a lot of um, insect weird stuff. Um, we consider that too. And when Jeremy came in and, and did the lines, uh, Pam, who, who was casting, uh, and, and Linda thought he was perfect. And um, he got it. I, I was originally pick, picturing Abe Diekman, who went and played for. Veruna, but uh, those those two thought he was the best for the role, 
And um, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, he's exactly what I thought of for Sheezer. So um, the fact that he didn't do a lot of lizardy things, um, you know, I guess a lot of people like his rendition of, of Shizor. Um So whether or not he he pleases everybody, hard to say. It uh, doesn't look like doesn't look like it. But uh, I think for the majority of folks, they they did like his performance and did like the way he did it. Varuna, um, you guys thought he was the best performance. Abe Diekman, I. I I totally agree. I think he came in and he blew the performance right out of the water. He, he did such a great job. He actually came in and, and replaced one of our other actors who um, was not able to, to finish his commitment. And um, but uh, you know he he used that production dialogue, went went along with it, did a little little few things differently, um, and uh, made it his own and. and we're thrilled with how it came out. Nordy, here's here's the big one. You guys thought he sounded she sounded uh, stupid, hard to understand. Um, you know, the thing is, is, the more normal we had Pam sound, the less it sounded real. It didn't quite sound like a gungan. Um, and personally, I asked her to do some weird quirks and uh, she did that and the whole thing is is Nordy's an elderly Gungan kind of like Boss Nass but older and um, you know nobody likes Gungans like I've said before so the point was to be annoying to, to really drive home the fact that she's Gungan and um, you know people may not necessarily think she she did a great job but you know, I, I I beg to differ. I think she did a fantastic job with uh, with what she had. You know, the fact that people don't like Gungans. Uh, you know, as long as she carried that off, if, if people didn't like her, that that works. Um, you know, I knew it was bound to happen. So, as long as you believed she was a Gungan, that's all that I care about. So, hopefully, you did, whether or not you liked it. Uh, you guys mentioned that Redbeard was a pedophiliac. Well, it's sort of alluded to. Not as much as she's or. Um, I think Redbeard basically would rather just have a better job. You know, the fact that he's bored, brainless, at least he has something to look at. You know, I mean, the pedophilia thing is a, definitely something we didn't want to get into but so much it was a plot device um, it was a serious plot device to move the story along and you know one of the things that we did first when we when we brought Elizabeth on board was have her parents look over the script because we knew that there were some things in there that they may or may not have contention with and we wanted them to you know understand the characters and their motivations and you know, make sure it was appropriate for their daughter to do this because she was at 14 at the time. And uh, they agreed, and um, that's that. Uh, you know, the, the pedophilia thing, you know, it's, it's not hugely obvious. It's, it's there, but, um, you know, how many guys have you heard say Natalie Portman is the cutest thing on earth? You know, I mean... You've got people under 18 saying that you got people over 18 when she was 
younger than 18, which is obviously a thing. It, it's it's a natural reaction for for guys to, to you know for just because she's so beautiful and, and and whatnot. You know, I mean, we played it out. We we used that and uh, made it a plot device and. What can you say? Uh, I mean, Redbeard is just one of those guys who's kind of stupid. He doesn't have it all, you know, in, in the brains. And, and um, we had uh, Namadala just you know, toy around with him. And um, it worked. So there you go. You mentioned some of the quotes, like, uh, I imagine a lot and I have a bad feeling. Um well, actually, you may not have heard I have a bad feeling about this, but we actually had Elizabeth do um, I have a bad, and then it's cut off. Uh, just kind of, we didn't want to overstate the quote, uh, so we just put a portion of the quote, which I don't, I'm not sure has been done yet. I don't think it has been. Um, but we, we wanted to allude a little bit here and there to the original trilogy, and, and those two quotes were, or one way of doing that. You guys had mentioned, I think, lastly, that some of the performances could have been redone, and um, I, I completely agree. I mean, there were a lot of a lot of performances that were weak. Um, I would have loved to have redone Anolo's lines, but um, you know, we had a lot of issues in the audio there. Um, but our problem with uh, with Anolo's characters that uh, our actor was unavailable for for uh, recording because he was in and out of the hospital quite frequently and um, unfortunately there's just nothing we could do and uh, so we ended up you know using what we had cleaned up the best we could and you know we had been re-recording for um, nearly a year and uh, you know there's a point where you can say you know is this the best we could do and um, in most circumstances, it was. It was the best we could do. You know, we could sit there and, and, and continue to re-record and re-record. Um, but, you know, you can only make an actor an actor with experience. And, um, you know, you're only going to get so much experience doing the same lines over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, we just realized, you know, we've, we had taken as far as we could we realized that there were going to be some some uh, inadequacies in the in the acting, so uh, you know we just made it the best judgment we, that that we could, and just said, you know, hey, is this the best that we can do right now? And um, the answers were yes to all those all those lines. Those are the best we could do. So um, you know, when you have six to seven people saying, yeah, that's the best you can do. You go with it. I mean, that's a. We had a lot of consulting editors, and they gave their input over a long period of time. And um, you know, there's just a point where you have to say it's done. You know, George Lucas did the same thing, although he's gone back over a period of time and redone those things. And you see a lot of people saying, you know, why did he do that? Um, well, you know, th- there's a point where you just say it's done and. And you move on, and we're done. We're done with Rising Ability. Uh, it was a great learning experience. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we don't have any regrets at all. We, we know we could have done a better job 
But, you know, how long do you want to work on something? You know, five years, ten years, you know. We just, uh, we did our best. So, there you have it. Hopefully, uh, you know, I've answered some some questions, maybe given you a little more insight, and uh, hopefully the next projects will be just as good. Thanks, and uh, appreciate you listening. Bye. And we're back. We hope you like that. <laughs> Again, thanks to the magic of editing, you guys will be able to hear it later, even though our audience heard it right then. Wow. <laughs> We got to watch Rich scratch his eye again. I can't. I can't help it. Look, At least he's not now. scratching elsewhere. Hey, Rich, pull your finger out of your nose. Hey, hey, hey! It was. I'll cold. put mine in my nose. Yeah, you will actually. I'll put mine in your nose. Okay. <laughs> no, I you won't. Give the really. other one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we've got an interview with a professional wrestler named The Stro, and you can visit his website at thestro.com. T H E. S-T-R-O dot com. Formerly known as Maestro of the WCW. That's very true. Um, He is currently on the indie scene. And the reason why we spoke to a professional wrestler was because we were able to get his opinions on fight choreography and how you, the fan filmmaker, can make better fights in your fan films. Hi. Hello. 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 How do you create an identity for your character? Well, first of all, I use something that's called a metro dot and creative input into my character. Straw. Straw. Well, it's not going to be video, so. Yeah. Okay. All right, so what question is again? All right. Hello. Well, first, what we need to do an intro. Oh, intro. Okay, Okay, well, this this is not off the record, okay? Okay, this is on the record. You can you can kayfabe it if you want to. You can be character or whatever. I don't know. Okay. Sorry. I, I used an industry to. term. Flair's probably going to come out. I can dig that. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Dude, spin a rooney. Oh, come no. on, man. Come on, spin a rooney. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, this is a- okay, so hello and welcome to Requiem with the Outcast. We're interviewing. This is our Radio fight. Show. This is Radio our show. fight episode. <laughs> and we're interviewing this guy named Stroll. He's a professional wrestler. He beats people up for a living. And he said he could teach us how to. So it's right, Nathan. We're coming for you, man. Con Carolinas. Mo Butler, you're going, you're going down. down. And when I see you at Con Carolinas, you better be proud. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm going to cut down the mighty oak. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, bro, why don't you introduce yourself? (laughs) Hello, everyone. Uh, I am known as Stro, only a maestro in WCW. And um, I'm here today with the gang and the cast and crew right here to do this interview for you today. (laughs) We are here, and we're going to be talking about, of course, this is for our fight choreography episode. And I figured, who better to talk about um, how to how to put on a good fight than a professional wrestler? So, we're glad you could be here today, Stro. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Um, all right, Stro. Now, um, when it comes to uh, putting together a, a, a good fight, of course, for film or in front of other people, however, um, how do you kind of create a, a, an identity for the person? How do you really own the character that you're playing? Well... You know, the, the current character I'm playing right now, he, he's uh, very aggressive, very, very, uh, 
you know, very strong, very passionate as far as, uh, you know, my current wrestling persona goes. I mean, I, I kind of use my, uh, my wrestling ability I've learned over the years to combine that with a, a certain realm of aggressiveness that, uh, that you know, I've developed over the years, just through my college years and through the professional aspect of business and, and put all together into, like, uh, you know, currently what I'm doing now. I mean, the best characters in this in the professional wrestling industry, you basically is an extension of someone's own personality. And as you take you take your, your own personality and magnify and ex, extensify it tenfold, and then thus you create a, a entertaining character that uh, the people can understand. Because uh, the people, if you don't believe in your character, then the people won't believe in you either. So that I mean, that's as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's those are the most successful characters or the characters that are an extension of someone's own personality. I mean. Like, for example, you look at Undertaker. Uh, he looks like death. You know what I mean? Bam. There's the Undertaker. What you see in Steve Austin, you know, he just took a side of him that was rebellious and magnified it tenfold. I mean, just like The Rock. You know, he, he took his, uh, his his entertaining side of him and magnified it into currently what he's doing today. With Rock, and he's also doing that, branching that out in the, in the acting aspect. So it's like, you know, you take what you have. You take what, you, what God's given you, basically and magnify it into a successful, marketable-type character. I think that's why uh, The Rock does such a good job in the movies that he's in, is because he's basically playing himself, just a different variation of himself. Pretty, pretty much. And, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, it's, it's just like in anything else in life, you know. Trying to be something that you're really not is really difficult and it's really hard task to accomplish. That's why... And any character you portray, just like in acting, any kind of character you portray or any persona you're trying to develop, you want to put a little bit of yourself into it too, so you can get, have a sense or a feel of it to where, you know, so you can like believe in what your character is. So when people look at you, when they watch you, whether it be in a wrestling ring, whether it be on television, when you're in a television series, or in an interview, in, in front or public speaking in front of the you want them to realize that you're putting yourself into what you're doing. You believe in what you're doing. So that, that that's and nonetheless that pertains to professional wrestling too. So. Now you mentioned television. Now you yourself was recently on a TV show. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I had a small part in the One Tree Hill series in the WB channel. Hey, they filmed that down in Wilmington. Mm -hmm. I up, uh, Club Fusion. I was the uh, I played the part of a bouncer in the club scene where uh, Brooke uh, brings the kid to the club and tries to. Pretty much um, corrupt him, more or less. But it turns out backfires on her because she sees the guy that she really likes messing messing around, and she gets uh, kicks off and leaves. So you know, I'm, I'm basically the bouncer in that scene. But I'm, you know, for us, the acting that goes, I'm, I'm getting small roles for now, but I'm hopefully they'll lead to bigger, better things in the future. So, you know, so one of the things I'm, I'm branching out in, you know, outside of the wrestling business. All right. Well, I hope that works out for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> thank you. Now, how do you? You, you were talking about creating an identity for a character. What steps go into creating a fighting style that complements the character? Obviously, you know you wouldn't have, um, uh, you know, maybe a English person, you know, knowing kung fu. It just doesn't seem to flow with the the character. Obviously, it's something that they could do. But how do you? But Keanu Reeves can know kung fu, and that's okay. No, I never said it was okay. Uh, <laughs> but how do, how do you create a fighting style that actually complements the look and the feel of a character that you've created? Well, it, it, a lot of things tie into it, you know. First of all, you know, you go with what you got. You go with what, you know, where you came from, your background, etc. You know, like for me, you know, I'm an amateur wrestling and submission wrestling background. So I, I was saying before, I can incorporate that with what I do. 
you know, my current wrestling persona. I mean, like, even though I've got this more or less uh, this badass persona that I'm doing now, you know, I, I incorporate a lot of my uh, wrestling experience into it too, as well. So it's just like, uh, like for Jerry, you know, the guy like Jerry, he was trained into the um, martial arts in Japan, so he incorporates a lot of his martial arts kicks into his wrestling persona. You know, and, and this, and this is like. Um, any other styles like overseas, it's like, for example, like the European styles, or the catch is catch can, like the William Regals, the Finleys, the Dave Taylors, you know, they're, they're right, they're, their expertise, their forte is their mat wrestling, their mat wrestling technicians. Like when you go to Mexico and places in South America, their, their forte is the acrobatic luchador style, right, right. The high flying. So it's like. Um, or the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or Capoeira. Yeah. Exactly, like the Horse Gracies. Yep. And, and you go over to Japan and you create martial arts into their wrestling personas. And with American style, it's like more catch as catch can. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, you know, you basically go over, the, you know, your background and, uh, you know, basically where you came from and incorporate that. And what you a, know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And mark, make it into a marketable character and mold it all together. Now, when creating a, uh, you know, a, a fight sequence itself, uh, whether for you know a TV show, movie, uh, a match, whatever, mm-hmm. um, how do you, you know, what do you take into account when coming up with the actual action script itself? Uh, the, you know, terrain, the the size of the other person. How does that influence um, your your fighting? Well, there's a lot of factors that go into it. You know, first of all, wrestling rings are all, I mean. They, they all never feel good, but I mean they're all different. <laughs> right. I mean anybody who's been in a ring uh, and experienced it and landed on the mat, well, you know, can know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, some rings aren't as bad as others, but they all still hurt when you hit the campus. But you know, but some rings are different sizes. So you have to, you know, like know how many steps it takes to get across from one side of the ring to the next. As well, have ring awareness, knowing what's. Uh, you know what's around you, knowing you know where the ropes are, knowing where the corners are, at all times. Um, and as, as and as far as opponents go, you know it varies. I mean, because we come in all shapes and sizes. You know, I mean, and it's like you know you take you study the guy's style as long as his height and what moves or maneuvers or holds that you can or cannot do on him, and knowing how to take what he has and counter make it counter for, for his style. More or less, and just uh, take it from there, and see, try to put on the best match possible. All right, well, um, getting the talking about the rings and everything. What kind of uh, kind of safety equipment do you have when you're practicing certain spots, certain uh, bits of the fight sequence, like when it comes to falling or you know being thrown into things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, through things? Uh, because people are starting to incorporate a lot more physicality in some of their fights, even though for fan films a lot of it is, you know, lightsaber fighting or whatever. But even in episode three, we're starting to see, and episode two, I know, no spoilers, no spoilers, but we're starting to see more physicality, more punches being thrown, kicks being thrown, um, and also more uh, equipment, whatever's lying around, much like Jackie Chan movies, mm-hmm. Jen, uh, Lee movies, where things are being in- incorporated into fights that weren't before, uh, yeah. weapons, stuff like that. Uh, you know, if a chair is lying around, not you know, for wrestling, you know, you've got a chair tables, whatever. Um, but you know, what kind of equipment do you have around, like uh, you know, training pads? Do you have? Um, do you practice with? Or do you uh, throw chairs uh, when you practice? Uh, do, yeah. Do you do you throw the legitimate stuff, or do you uh, practice with mock-ups and such? Well, you know, I, I currently run a wrestling school in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and uh, one of the things that I show my students is, you know, basically, you know, knowing how to land the ring in certain positions where it won't cripple them or won't paralyze them or anything, but the, 
to, to protect it better because it's like, you know, even though it's like always a shock to body hitting the mat, you know, I train to the point where they can land without it, you know, doing some serious injury damage to the body. And, and like, there, as far as chairs go, I mean, just, you know, they're really getting hit with a chair. I mean, there really isn't any particular way you <laughs> prepare yourself for <laughs> right, something like it's, that. It's, it's going to hurt no matter what. So, you know, but we are trained to, like, you know, take it certain ways where, you know, it, we, we'll still, I mean, regardless, we'll still feel the impact, but at the same time, we won't, you know, it won't do, you know, some serious injury. So it's like, you know, we, you know, we have certain things that we prefer, like for drop kicks, you know, we have pads, you know, so we can spar, we'll have drop kicks, do different kicks and throws, etc. But as far as, um, you know, as far as like using things like chairs and tables and, 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 and stuff like that, it, it's pretty much, uh, it's pretty much a uh, hands-on deal. I mean, pretty much, I mean, there's really no way you can prepare for something like that. It's just something you just have to go through, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's like, but as far as, like, the wrestling goes, I mean, there's nothing like hands-on experience, and, you know, a lot of our training is inside the ring, so. In case anybody's wondering about the soundtrack that's running right now, we're at Chili's, <laughs> where we're sitting down for lunch with, with Stroh, so... <laughs> <laughs> don't so worry, or my selection. Don't. You know. <laughs> we are not pay, paying any copyright uh, for the uh, for the background music because uh, we are not putting on the background music. You I'll, can talk to Chili's about it. Yes, yeah. all rights are reserved to the original uh, creators. <laughs> we own no copyright. Uh, uh, George Lucas. <laughs> now him, we're not worried about. He's actually very lenient when it comes to stuff like that. Oh uh, yeah. Um, you ever watch Spielberg's guy? Well, like, we don't oh, make he's money off it. Yeah. <laughs> any, any Paramount, mm-hmm. they're really bad about that too. Yeah. Anybody who does uh, like Star Trek stuff or mm-hmm. uh, Stargate stuff, they're they're anal about it. George Lucas doesn't care as long as you don't make money off of it. Right. Yeah. Heck, Which more promotion don't. for him? No, right, we exactly. don't. We definitely do not we make put, money. No. <laughs> we spend a lot. George yeah. probably can send his kids to college off of what we spend. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's not. We're nerds. Oh, yeah. Well, you're nerds. True. Hey. Yeah, you're the non You like sci-fi. So you are a nerd. You may just not be a Star Wars nerd. Yeah. So, um, uh, getting back to the question. Yeah, uh, I like Star you, Wars. You, um, Good. Well, you know what? Actually, we're, we'll get your opinion on uh, what you think of Star Wars uh, later on. We'll definitely get that. <laughs> I still like Luke Skywalker. Come on. <laughs> Well, you used to carry around a little blue broomstick, right? Yeah. Well, you were the well, Star Wars kid. Instead of Princess Leia, I end up with a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So. Now, what kind of music? Or excuse me, actually, getting back to the the previous question, um, with the equipment that you use, like when falling down, we start. You know, you see in a lot of fan films that people will will slowly lay down. Um, you just gotta learn fall. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, are, do you have any I, any pointers on learning how to fall properly? Well, the best way, you know, like I said, the best way uh, I, mean, I, I tell my students the best way to do it is just uh, like it's, it's pretty much hands on. There's really no certain way. I mean, we don't like put cushions underneath, the, you know, underneath us when we fall back when we're training to do so. It's some of the most things where you just have to learn hands on. I mean, just straight back and go. You know what but, I mean? So. It's, so the trick for you guys who are making fan films, don't be a pansy. Fall. It goes beyond that. Yeah. Like I take knew, it for the film. When I taught, yeah. for the no film. kidding, right? When I taught martial arts, one of the things I teach my students is how to fall. And we'd start from a kneeling position. And we'd just learn how to fall and use your whole body to absorb the impact rather than uh, just I mean, hit your back. You know, the, the, you use your arms and your hands. And 
the thing is, if if you reach, if you like, if you go back and reach for like, when you go reach for the mat. I mean, I mean, so, I mean, that could be very dangerous. Yeah. Well, don't you, reach you, for the mat. I mean, use your whole body. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you would, hurt, you would definitely hurt your arm. You could, like dislocate a wrist. So you're gonna anything. fall, fall. But use your whole body to absorb the it, it's like, back. It's, it's yeah. like, it's like drunk people. You know, when they fall. They, they, they don't fall. get hurt. They, 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 they just straight back, you know. Of course, they feel it the next day, you know. <laughs> hmm, imagine that. But yeah, it's not going <laughs> to not hurt. It just won't paralyze you if you do it. Yeah, right. How does that dislocate like, that shoulder? Yeah, so I mean, there's really, no certain, there's really no certain. I mean, you don't have like cushions or trampolines we fall. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, just it's like hands on. You know? I mean, and it's the best way to learn is hands on, you know. But also, don't be like Marina Sirtis. In one episode of The Next Generation they were filming, she had to get struck by this lightning stuff, and she flung herself back, and she threw herself back so hard, she actually injured her back and, like, couldn't walk for the rest of the episode. But it's like, you and know, this geek moment has been brought to you by Janine, the Trekkie. But I am not a Trekkie. I don't like Star Trek. Well, for, well, for you young Trekkies and for you, the younger viewers of the show, just, uh, just know that, you know, don't really you know, this is something you definitely want to try at home or anything like that you know this is only for trained professionals that would that know how to do it for a living so you know what i mean just you know like 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 commercial say don't you know don't try it at home you know what i mean i wouldn't be trying it on my living or room if you're gonna try it at home go pay a professional like you to at least show you how to fall and not kill yourself yeah, yeah because you don't that, have to be fall straight way. on your back i mean there are other ways to fall yeah exactly exactly so or uh, edit the film so that it that's what that's what wrestling school is for <laughs> Because, of course, this, this interview is to try to help fan filmmakers, people who are making independent films and stuff like that. Wow. So, um, what, um, how, how long do you think somebody should, should kind of practice the movesets once they choreograph everything, once they figure out how to do it, or what they're going to do? About how, how often should they practice, do you think, to really get it for Well, it's something you guys stay sharp on. You know I mean, I know I even try to stay sharp in my game, and I've been doing it like... 15 years, you know what I mean, and so it's like, uh, it's something that we have to, I mean, even guys like Ric Flair continue to keep himself fit, you know what I mean, because, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Jackie Chan, I'm sure Jackie Chan practices constantly, so yeah. it's, it's something that's instilled in you that you just have to keep doing it to keep sharp, you know what I mean, so it's like, you know, it's something that always just stay with me, you gotta just keep sharp and just stay focused in the ring, makes sense, um, <clears throat> Now, when you're coming up with the the action script itself, do you do you watch anything or do you listen to any music that kind of pumps you up that that you get ideas from? Obviously, for you in the ring, you probably watch tapes from other uh, wrestlers and stuff just oh, to, absolutely. to see what's going on. And of course, for do you, do you ever watch like uh, you know action movies to see how they kind of do stuff and try to incorporate that somehow either into you know into your matches and of course for the listeners into their films? Well, the thing is. What I like to do is, uh, I'm, I'm a realist, and uh, what, I, what I like to do is incorporate the real life into what I do. Like, you know, I would watch movies, I, I, would, I listen to news, I would, you know, be aware of my surroundings, and, and take that and incorporate that with, you know, what I do in the professional wrestling industry is like, you know, how would so-and-so react to this, or what, how would I do in a certain situation, you know what I mean? So I, I'm trying to incorporate real life to what I do, so that way, when people come and you know, watch the matches and watch the shows, the events that I'm on, and I'm in these certain predicaments that they can sit back and they can like realize, live vicariously through myself and, and the other guys. Like, and, hey, we can relate. We know exactly where these guys are coming from. We've been there. So you know, we do incorporate like real life and real situations into the 
business and thus, you know, people, the fans would understand that, you know, and, and, and identify with that. And of course, by, you know, uh, getting your reactions uh, to where you know how your character, how you would react, it also goes back to what you were saying about realism, about you, your character being you turned way up. Exactly. So it's just everything it's just flows tempo, naturally. Yeah. And even in acting, you know, you don't have to follow the script exactly. I mean, even in an action set, you don't have to, you know, follow the script exactly, but mm -hmm. if you can react to it, you know, yeah. that's where uh, everything flows naturally. That's where people will believe what's going on as opposed to just sitting there watching it. Exactly. Okay. And, um, now, doesn't like listen to uh, Dan Fogarty. <laughs> this is good, man. I mean, this is like our coolest soundtrack ever. Yeah, it is. It's our only soundtrack ever. <laughs> Let no. the midnight special <laughs> shine a light on me. <laughs> Now, again, talking about weapons Welcome earlier. To South, right? is, <laughs> <laughs> talking about weapons, is there any really good place to get hit? <laughs> that it not hurt? <laughs> I wish. I if you work your abs I, good enough. I've been, I've, been wanting, I've been wanting that same question since I started the business, man. I mean, I, I really wish there was. I mean, I mean, because, uh, and I know a lot of people out there could agree with me because, I mean, gosh, I mean, everything we do, is, we seem to feel it. You know what I mean? It's just like, no matter how careful we are, no matter how trained we are, no matter how we're going to say, oh, we're going to have an easy night. Ends up being a hard fight. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that's that's a tough one. Are there any places that hurt less than other places? Well, it depends on what you know, what kind of match it is, and what kind of night we're having. Right? Some what nights, in, I imagine. Too. I've had nights where my arms hurt. I've had nights where my face hurt. I've had nights where my legs hurt. My back hurts. My back hurts all the time. But <laughs> you know what I mean, I mean, but you know, knock on wood, I've been. Uh, very fortunate over the years not to sustain a serious injury. Just working out, tanking myself, stretching. Now, when it comes to uh, fight psychology, you know, yeah. creating something that uh, you know, a fight that is compelling, yeah. or even in, even a uh, you know, just uh, monologues, characters, especially when you have to cut a promo. Mm -hmm. You know, what tips can you give to the listeners and filmmakers? Uh, for creating something that is truly engaging, both in the fight as well as delivering dialogue. Yeah, no cheesy. Oh, nothing bugs me more than in a fight when you hear cheesy crap. When you're just like, why? Yeah, Abe Paterka why? said it really well on Digital Llama Radio when he said, you know, if if people stop in the middle of a fight and start talking, that means somebody is not paying attention. Go over there and hit them really hard. You know. Well, you know, back to that's back to what I was saying before. You know, I, with especially my matches, I like. You know, I mean, a lot of us—not just myself, but a lot of guys—we like corporate realism, and, and you know, because you, know, you have to believe in your craft. Because if you don't believe in your craft, and the people won't believe in you. And you have to, you know. And the thing is, that's bottom line. That's that our industry is all about. You know, for the people to believe in our in our, in our craft and our business. So thus, we incorporate real life situations into it. So thus, you know, when we outline a structure of a match, we, you know, it's like, you know, you know what would um. You know, how would the uh, rule breaker, the bad guy, if you will, react if the, the good guy did something to retaliate? Or, or how would the good guy react if, if the bad guy were less for a, a shortcut or a cheap shot? Right. You know what I mean? You know, it's just like it's just like in life, you know, it's a struggle. You know, with a good guy, you want the people to see your struggle. And you want to see their emotions. And, and with the bad guy, you want to see everything that they despise, like whether it's the, the aggravating boss man. Or, or that big bully in high school, or 
you know, or, or, or the nagging in-law or something like that. You know, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's something people can identify with that. And then, you know, when the good guy makes that comeback and the good guy starts fighting back, people will identify with that because they've seen that struggle. They've seen the, the hardship he's gone through because he's been pounded by the bad guy. It's this vicious, this no good son of a gun bad guy. So it, it's like, you know, you want the people to see that drama, see that focus, you know, see, you want them to be behind, vicariously, live vicariously through these characters that we portray. So, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with the acting industry, you know what I mean? You want to see, you know, the good guy, you know, come back and get that bad guy and get his for what he's been doing right. to the good guy. I think that's why, like, characters like Indiana Jones, like uh, the character from The Mummy and even Van Helsing, where, you know, you've got your main hero that is struggling to do the right thing, that you can see the physical wear and tear, especially on Indiana Jones. I think that's why people, you know, love him so much, Absolutely. because you could just tell that he is just doing what he has to do, not that he wants to do it, you know, that he's not taking needless risk, he's doing what he has to do, and you can really tell that there's wear and tear on him. Plus Harrison Ford is hot. I, I can't back you on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well people like me. Die Hard because well, he just gets decimated yes. through the course of the thing. And then finally, when he finally makes that comeback, I mean, the, the you know the audience is behind you, especially the rest of the crowd is behind you. You yeah. get the biggest pop when you know you've been beat down, and then you're just rising back. I mean, I, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, Ricky Steamboat, one of the greatest wrestlers of our, our era. I mean, what made him what he was was the fact that he. You know, everybody identified with his sympathy. They sympathized with him because he would struggle with those bad guys. He was, he was you know, he, the bad guys were giving him such a beating, but he was struggling, struggling. Finally, when he would make that comeback on the bad guy, people like you know, go crazy because they didn't see that struggle, that fight. You know, he's been going through all that, all that hardship he's been going through with that that bad guy, right? Just like um, like Vince McMahon still goes Steve Austin. You know, Vince McMahon was the hated yeah. owner at the time and. Um, Austin, you know, took all his crap, but still, every time he stuck it to the boss, people would just go crazy because right. they, they seen what a, what a jerk this was. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you want people to identify with every little thing like that. You know, it, it, you know it's just like um, uh, a good friend of mine, Jake Snake Roberts, he's done a long time ago, less is more. Yeah. Make those little things count because, you know, people still like to have things explained to them in layman's terms. Mm -hmm. Simple is more, you know. The more simple, you know, the more that they can identify what you do, the more they, they'll get behind it, and the more they'll believe in it. And, and I'm pretty much uh, talking about the strain and the physical wear and tear. That leads right up into uh, the last question I have for you, which is, how do, you, how do you really sell an injury? If you get hurt, or if you've been worked on mm -hmm. the entire fight, yeah. how do you really sell the, the fact that you have been beaten, that you're still worn down, even though you've got the adrenaline of the... Of you know the, the the final push, but you know how do you still sell it? Do you have any tips to kind of help uh, get those injuries over, make it look like you're st you're actually hurt when obviously you're not? Well, nine times out of ten, if, if my opponent is like working on a body part and just working it and working it and working it, and even though I do retaliate somehow, you know it's it's still going to be there. You know, I mean it's like one of those things we, we <laughs> it's hard for us to forget if a guy's like, for example, if a guy's taking a stick. Just whacking my leg for like five minutes, right? And I start coming back, throwing punches, kicks, shots, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm still gonna feel that injury. I'm still feel those stick shots in my leg, right? right. And it's still gonna sting, and it's still gonna hurt. So I mean, it's not really hard to do. I mean, trust me, because I mean, if a guy's it really does hurt. Yeah, right. So, I mean, 
and our food is here, so we'll pause for a minute and we'll be right back. We are back. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Work, 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 work. Hey, boys, how you doing? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Wrong boys, my bad. <laughs> uh, Hello, boys. Okay, so. I missed you. Our lunch was provided today no, by uh, Chili's. But Chili's. we had to pay for it still. Chili's. 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 Yeah, Chili's, the, the unofficial non-paying sponsor of Requiem. <laughs> they don't even know they are. Hell, hell, the manager even tried to pimp a shirt on us. So. Yeah. Mm, that's, chunky, that's chunky Chili's, not cream no. Chili's. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's trying to pimp shirts. Hello, boys. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so we're good. Now that we've work, eaten... Work, work, work. Did you, work, did work. you guys... There's our obligatory Mel Brooks reference there. That's um, right. Have, yeah, we have at least one every I was reciting the Mel Brooks movie here. My bad. <laughs> Can you hear me? Miss Waitress, excuse me, I was reciting the Mel Brooks movie. My bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So to Much love. We, we've got Represent. to see the, we've got to see the stylish yep. plays of Mr. Stroh here. Thank you. Been picking up women. Picking up where? I've learned a lot. When? It's a good we line. should have turned that on. It's not like half of our listeners know, know. how to do that, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah. Well, first, first to half of our listeners, we'd have to identify women. Yeah. <laughs> this is a. You are so bad. Our listeners are not trekkies. That's right. Well, except for the ones that are, they probably don't live in their mother's basement. Oh, and even oh, if they Janine, do, Janine. They, they became after they got married. Janine, so. come on, come on. You know we have that percentage of our listeners who freaking still live in their mother's basement. Okay, but I still like you, even though I say I don't. <laughs> so, getting back with our guest here, did you guys have any other questions? Ask me anything. What's the airspeed what velocity of a... What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> What's my name? Yeah. Stroke doggy. Okay. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, what dog. is your quest? Uh, um, my quest is to be the very best I can be in the wrestling industry. And do as much good in this world as I can, and to help a lot of people out, um, be a good role model for kids. Which you know, kids, I always go to kids. So about the children, and uh, just um, whatever avenue I go in life, whether it be acting realm, whether it be wrestling field, whether it be teaching wrestlers to be great, you know, whatever I can do to be successful and to help people out and to be the best, that make the mark, biggest mark I can in this world. You know, I mean, that's all about. You know, I thank God every day for what He's given me, and uh, thank my family for the support. And, Hope, uh, strive for big and better things in the future. You know what I mean? That's quite a quest. Well, hey, forgot, that was a... Wait, wait, you forgot world peace. Yeah. And say your prayers and eat your vitamins. What's your favorite color? <laughs> Flintstone vitamins? Yeah, whatever, What's man. I used to do those ice cream bars, man. Old Romania ice cream bars. I remember oh, those. Yeah. They have like the shapes in them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't have one flavor. What's your favorite color? What were you going to ask? What's your favorite color? My favorite color? Uh, red and black. Well, see, the problem is, is that we've gotten. He, he gave us like this really heartfelt answer, so it's almost a shame to continue it what with a joke. What is the earthy velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> is that bird named Spit? Or what? Is that an African swallow? Sorry, we, folks, ladies and gentlemen, we have totally, like, lost focus. Anyway, it was really, really nice to meet you. I have seen a whole side of professional wrestling I didn't even know existed. I'm hoping I can drag these guys out to one of your matches. Oh, yeah, I can't wait, man. Come on, get time. And, you know, I might go just because he was so cool. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, in case you wonder about my finish maneuvers, it's called the SPD 
stroll bear hug DT where I grab the guy in a bear hug, hook to lock their head in, and just drop straight back and spike him straight to the mat. I'm very successful at that. I currently hold uh, three titles in the business now. I'm going after a fourth one tonight, so hopefully that'll be good. Well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. And don't break anyone's back while you're doing your little thingy that you do. And what? My thingy. Your thingy. My That's thingy. her term for everything, by the way. The thingy. Anything she doesn't know. Uh, anything about is a thingy. Hey, no, I know or lots even, about flying. Even any something she knows a lot about is a thingy. Right. It's like what when she's flying, she's a pilot. So when pilot. she's flying, oh, wow. she'll say, "Hey, could you uh, could you put through forward the the power control thingy?" Thank you, Mister. I'll be able to hit the river and drown. <laughs> <laughs> a mile high joke. Thank you, Mister <laughs> Strobe. Stroh! Thank you, thank you. And of course, go ahead, and, go ahead and plug your website. Oh, my website is www.stroh.com. has all the latest on me for my info and for more information on uh, my wrestling school, let's go to thestroh.com slash school.html. My email is stroh at thestroh.com. And that is T-H-E-S-T-R-O.com. Stroh stands for a strong, tough, rough one. Yeah. So, right. And if you want the glamour shots, you're gonna have to go to the pay site. Uh, those are <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just, and, and just like I, I tell my opponents, and um, even a few dates I've had, <laughs> no, nobody can go toe to toe with a stroke. God bless you all. And thank you to all the fans for your support through the years. It means a lot to me, and uh, I thank you for the years to come. All right, we are back. We are going to be doing our gaming section this month. Uh, we have got an audio clip from Chris Birchie. I hope I pronounced your name right, man. He is uh, talking a little bit about galaxies, and here is his segment. Hello, my name is Chris, and uh, I play Star Wars Galaxies, which is an MMORPG based in the Star Wars universe. The, uh, my character is a Wookiee named Lobaka. He currently resides on Lo- Loka server, and he lives in Dantooine. Sunny Dantooine, that is. Uh, I... Uh, my character, as I said, is a Wookiee. He is a fighter. He uh, knows uh, the ways of Tarakasi. He is a swordsman, and he is a master of brawling techniques. He is a pretty good, tough fighter. He can take down Night Sisters and Rancors and, you know, stand toe-to-toe with a crap dragon. Uh, he's pretty strong. That's what I've meant him to be, because I suck as a crafter. I have um, a bunch of friends of mine that play in the game. are all started with my crafters and my um, backup in... I'm basically the fighter, not my backup, but they're the ones that, like, they know how to grind and all the, how to make the best stuff, and I, I'm just the guy that knows how to punish things. Um, right now, to let basically know what's going on, they're gearing up for, A, they just did Imperial Crackdown, which they put uh, Empiric forces into major starports like Coronet, Theed, Mos Espa, Vestine, sorry, not Mos Espa, Mos Eisley, Vestine, you know, big places that are uh, static cities that the game have, has provided. Uh, next, they're getting ready for the Jedi revamp, where they change the systems over on um, the way to become a Jedi from the simple do, you know, the simple uh, craft, do all the crafting, do all the fighting, do all the basic professions, and that's how they had you used to be able to unlock it. They're going to change it so you have to do quests to unlock it, and they're also gearing up for the space expansion. There's a lot of cool stuff coming up in the future. Uh, There's a lot of... They're trying to revamp how they do PvP. They're trying to revamp how they do a lot of things in the game, so it's more fun to the characters, and they're chugging out new stuff as uh, as we're speaking. They just put out a huge Corvillian Corvette, which is supposed to be 
it looks very close to uh, the Corvette from Episode 4, where you, as an Imperial, Mike Lobaka is an Imperial, as an Imperial, you join, you have three different missions you can take, and we've done the assassination missions, where basically you, in your group of um, commandos, or whatever you professions or you guys are, uh, go on to the Corellian Corvette and have to basically kill a uh, rebel admiral, and then you escape with your lives, hopefully. And, uh, it's a really good thing, you know, it's a it's really cool mock-up, because all the hull, hulls are white and windy, and it's hard to see, and there's some R2 droids scooting around like there would be in a real, uh, Corvette. One of the things they've done to make it harder was to put SS Super Battle Droids in certain areas in the, the thing, in the Corvette, and if you, if you get inside of one of those, they will come after you and they will kill you, and it's not really fun to see one of those huge, monstrous battle droids coming hulking down the hall at you with their double arm cannons and all the, you know, you and they follow you and they will sh hit you and kill you with two shots. I'm also waiting for the space expansion, which is supposed to come out in June-ish, maybe late, not June-ish, uh, late July, August time, uh, which would be pretty good because they're having a bunch of fa uh, faction-based uh, aircraft that you could buy, which would be cool because you could fly Rebels as a Rebel. You could fly A-Wing, uh, X-Wing, B-Wing, Y-Wing, all of them. And same with the Imperials. You could fly the TIE Fighter, Bomber, Advanced. And depending on how high up the scale you are, Captain, Lieutenant, whatever, you'll be able to get different crafts. Uh, so that'll be kind of cool. Uh, that's it for this month on uh, on Galaxies on the front for Galaxies at least this is Chris Frequy uh, of an Outcast listener uh, and Star Wars Galaxies player signing off bye and we are back and now uh as many of you have heard, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, which was a computer game that came out... Uh, I think We're Knights of the ago. Old Republic! <laughs> no, you dance whenever there's... Ooh. Um, they... Uh, uh, they they created a game was created called Knights of the Republic that pretty much swept every award it was ever entered into. It was uh, voted Game of the Year by numerous magazines, TV shows, and everything. Uh, I've seen that game actually. I don't know if that's for the Xbox or yeah, if there was they a have was one. There? Yeah, they you have really it. should get it because it, it's supposedly a pretty kick-ass game. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, a, according to the Force.net, IGN, and quite a few other sources, Knights of the Old Republic Two is coming out. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! February 20, uh, 2005. Um, here's a little bit of information about it. That five years after the events from the award-winning Knights of the Old Republic, the Sith Lords have hunted the Jedi to the edge of extinction and are on the verge of crushing the Old Republic. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Did they go and meet them in a confrontation and then sit there and have a 30-minute debate before they fought? No, no, no. That happened during the ancient battles of the Sith Apocalypse. You may not remember that. That was uh, uh, th that that's, that was that was an, uh, uh, not the golden age of Star Wars. We can tell you that much. And it was it's so something that isn't really talked about. So you don't think they make a game a out of uh, Sith Apocalypse? Probably not. I don't know which button maybe you would use to debate. Maybe one of those games that you <laughs> maybe one of those <laughs> games that you'd get for your kid to turn them off video games. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Hit the debate button. Hit the debate button. You're winning. You're winning. With the Jedi Order in it ruin. Be the fat Sith Lord. <laughs> okay, now you guys are ripping off from Digital Llama. <laughs> but that's just because I've told you about that one. Uh, with the Jedi Order in ruin, the Republic's only hope is a Jedi Knight struggling to reconnect with the Force and is faced with the galaxy's most dire decision to follow the light 
or succumb to the dark side. Are they having a debate? Probably not. If they follow the light, do they actually have to get up and walk to follow the light? Because succumbing is much easier because you don't actually have to do anything. You just That's sit true. there. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> S- <laughs> the Sith Lords is the next chapter of Knights of the Old Republic, winner of more than 35 Game of the Year awards featuring an all-new and perilous storyline set approximately 4,000 years before Star Wars Episode One. Inconceivable! <laughs> All new force powers, weapons, locations, characters, and classes add to the richness of this next epic installment. Well, wait a second. If it's 4,000 years before, how do they have all new force powers? Wouldn't they then be all old force powers? Well, all this happened a long time ago, so yeah. In a galaxy far, far away? These these are unseen force powers. Why is it that the further you go back in Star Wars... The more new it gets. (laughs) The newer everything gets. It's like Enterprise, you know? It's like they went from the really clear, nice, black, shiny, push the button, and it just happens to the switches and dials of the original Star Trek (laughs) series, right? (laughs) All right, you can choose from three different classes of Jedi to start the game with access to specific Jedi abilities. They don't really have classes in the movies, do they? They just have everybody's the same class, I guess. No. You have the Padawan, you have the Jedi, and you have the Jedi Master. Yeah, but I don't think that's the kind of classes that they're talking about. Well, there are... Because then everybody's going to pick Master and whoop everybody's butt. You know? Are they all going to be Masters of Terrace Cassie? <laughs> uh, choose the light side or the dark side of the Force based on your character's actions as you progress through the story. And on the what you're wearing that day. <laughs> the choices in your wardrobe you make not only affect your character, but also Should those I in your party. Long or briefs? And <laughs> 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 Some people are joining the loose side and the tight side. Um, and boxer briefs or just boxers? And those who may join you in your quest. I think I'll free bullet. <laughs> And I'm free. Free ball. Going commando. Cameo appearances from memorable characters in the first game enhance the continuity and story flow through the unique time period. Additional content will also be available for the Sith Lords via Xbox Live. That's right, downloadable content. See, it says right there, Xbox. Yep. Uh, this, this was developed by Obsidian Entertainment, the development house that Seen founded... Obsidian Entertainment? Obsidian, not Obscene. No. <laughs> the freaking jerks from... Uh, <laughs> developed by Obsidian Entertainment, the development house founded by the members of The Fallout, Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, and Planetscape Torment teams. Ba- like by the way, Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, great game. Ron's favorite game. He plays it all the time. It's kind of annoying, really. Hmm... It, of course, will be released by Microsoft for the PC and the Xbox system. So if you have either of those, you can uh, most likely download a demo of the PC, at least, um, in the upcoming months. And now we're going to go back to a few more commercials for people who have made fan audio stuff and fan films that you should go listen to and watch. Yeah. Nine hundred years before the Battle of Yavin. The last Sith War was a hundred years ago, but it was a thousand years long. I'm not sure the Jedi Order will ever recover. Two Jedi Masters are reunited. It's good to see you again, Canavigan. You two stay long. I really wish you'd stop mocking me like that. For a mission of galactic proportions. I am the Viceroy of the Trade Federation. My death will destabilize the economies of thousands of star systems. The bounty hunters on the loose. Why are you doing this? Because I was paid to. 
the Mandalorian warrior of an Instagram. I hate Jedi. And we hate Mandalorian. The future of the Trade Federation hangs in the balance. A partnership for our fledgling Trade Federation. This is exactly the recognition we need at this stage. Experience a thrilling adventure from the twilight of the Jedi Order. Peace over anger, honor over hate, strength over fear. Peace over anger, honor over hate, strength over fear. Peace over... Star Wars, the Trade Federation. A full cast audio drama starring Adam Johnson and Steve Molman. Missiles. Now available from Sigma Phi Kappa Productions. Boys, boys, get to work. Sorry, sir. They don't really listen. Before she became senator. My noble colleagues, less than an hour ago, an assassination attempt was made against my life. Before she became princess. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. Before she was queen. I am Queen Amidala. She met her destiny all alone in the forest of Naboo. We're experiencing engine trouble, and we're going to have to make an emergency landing. No, no. Professor Seiko is dead. I know. Both pilots are dead, too. Look, I think two of us need to go for help. There's got to be someone close by out here searching for us, and they have to have a con unit. But little did she know. Look, Anola, in those trees. I still don't see anything. See where it looks like log nets or shrubs? What she would find. No, no. Hey, I'm over here. Come get me, you monster. Get me. I'm a dollar. Get back in Prince the Prince Cecil, welcome back to Naboo. Prince Varuna, the sordid plot that would threaten her world. Therefore, I shall put the question to you directly. I want to know where that harem is. And would change her life forever. I don't understand. I had a chance to get out, and I didn't. I could have grabbed the transport and flown out, or I could have run, but I didn't. I just sat there. I just sat there while everyone was counting on me. Finally, her story has a beginning. Rise of Nobility, coming soon. StarWarsSpoofs.com is a website with humorous animated cartoons spoofing the Star Wars universe. So drop on by StarWarsSpoofs.com, see Darth Maul take on Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn in a lightsaber duel on Naboo. Visit the beautiful and graceful clones on Kamino. And watch as an Ewok steals a speeder bike on Endor. www.StarWarsSpoofs.com, the greatest spoofs in the galaxy. And we're back, and now we're going to move on to our fanfic section. We're going to um, the latest releases on fa- uh, of fanfic at theforce.net are Leanna Mara with Remembrance Never Dies. We have the Journal of Zavra Falar by Jedi, Jedi. Excuse me, the Journal of Zavra the Journal of Zavra Falar 
Jedi Padawan by Viara Skywalker. You shouldn't take my hand by Solo Jones. <laughs> and getting into that internet pony. And, and, huh? and here's your favorite one, Ron. <laughs> Just before dawn by Leia Berry. Leia <laughs> <laughs> <Lay in a> Berry. <laughs> no, no, it's Leia underscore Naberry. Because remember, Naberry is her last name. <laughs> not not somebody who's just laying around in the berries. Leia <laughs> <laughs> Naberry. Yeah. That's awesome. Where, where was it again? Up at the top. Up at the top. Just before dawn by Leia Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Not laying a berry, Leia Nubberry. You know what's right? a great name? Solo Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an Elmore Leonard or Quentin Tarantino character. I you know. know. <laughs> you shouldn't take my hand. <laughs> I'm going solo. <laughs> I'm not wearing any underwear. <laughs> All right, and now we're into the final stretch of the show. We've got fan audio releases. Actually, you know what? Yeah, we're going to do fan audio releases now. We've got uh, the Betrayed Federation annotated screenplay is out. Those of you who are fans of Betrayed Federation, go check that out. Um, I personally am a fan, and I like the annotated screenplay. We're not, because we don't listen to any other radio Well, you guys don't listen to fan audio, but uh, Betrayed Federation is really good. I don't even listen listen to to our fan audio, Rich. I do sometimes. Crossroads 2 has been released. That's a crossover between Trek and Star Wars, which is actually a really good series so far. Trek so. Wars. <laughs> no, no, wow, it's like, it's like the joining of official geekdom into this mind. It is. M- most people thought that a vortex of cool would be created, no. sucking yeah. all of the cool out of the uh, local area. But it didn't happen, oddly enough. So. No, oddly enough, it, it just <laughs> created this vortex of geek. There's probably not not like a single good-looking woman within like a ten-mile radius of the oh, center. That. <laughs> they do have chicks. I don't know. I haven't seen their their pictures yet, so I don't know if. They're okay, right. okay. But the people who make that do make some pretty killer Doctor Who uh, audio stuff. Hey, if you get a that's chance, cool. I, I, uh, check it out at StarWarsFanWorks.com. I think uh, Darker Projects. Uh, I don't remember their website, but their their company, I believe, is Darker Projects. But they've got a lot of really good audio stuff. So if you get a chance to check their stuff out. And, of course, uh, as we mentioned before, Digital Llama creates film geeks. Um, Copying themselves. Yeah, they're copying themselves. They'll sue themselves. Chris Hannell has finally announced the future of Digital Llama 2.0. The big news is that Digital Llama 2.0, which hasn't had a new episode since 2003, is officially dead. The bigger news is that Chris Hannell and Josh Wasta, each having taken part in the original three Digital Llama radio shows, are teaming up with Chad Peter and Matt Sewell to create a new Internet radio show, Film Geeks. Uh, the new show will be hosted by TheForce.net, but will be a show dedicated to movies, comics, sci-fi, and other topics. Thus, it will not be a Star Wars radio show, and thus not be featured in an area of Star Wars fan works. Though, uh, th- uh, you'll be able to find, uh, you'll most likely be able to... Never mind. <laughs> the new show will be hosted by TheForce.net, and, but will be a show dedicated to movies, comics, sci-fi, and other topics. Film Geeks is set to air in June, with live episodes every Monday night at 10 p.m. And fin- the final news in fan audio releases. Um, in, a surpri- and in a surprise release, Chrono Radio is celebrating the second anniversary of Chrono Radio and the fifth anniversary of The Phantom Menace in theaters with a new release for May 2004. This new release is a full-length Star Wars The Phantom Menace film commentary. 
By following the instructions at the beginning of the commentary episode and lining up a DVD copy of The Phantom Menace as instructed, fans can watch the saga's beginning with a special commentary by Nathan P. Butler. Ooh, I gotta do that! <laughs> Featuring oh social God. issues and that would never great. be raised you know in official that, commentaries. You know what that's like? That's, that's like, like watching The Wizard of Oz while you're playing... Pink Floyd in the background. And you know what? I bet you Nathan's going to be talking about whatever's going on on The Phantom Menace when I, you're watching I it. I bet you he is. How wild is that, man? I wonder I if he did it on purpose. Wow. You know what? He's he's, he's a onto, genius. I'm onto him. Brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, th- it will be featuring social issues that would never be raised in official commentaries, Con- continuity discussion, plenty of humor, and more. It's been a long time coming, and now it's released as a thank you to those who have supported the radio show for the last two years. Right. Social issues. Yeah. It sounds to me like he's just going to MST3K it if he has No, actually, me. actually, he really isn't. I've heard bits and pieces of it. I haven't had a chance to download the whole thing yet. But what he does is he there are quite a few jokes, but he also brings up some continuity issues and some facts that people... So, would not so what are the social issues then? I didn't hear any of them. Oh, so I don't know if he's full of crap on that or if it's re- <laughs> if it's out there. But however, I have read quite a few good um, good uh, comments about it in in the Chrono Radio thread. So um, apparently, it's it's pretty good. So I suggest everybody, if you haven't listened to it already, go check that out because that has been released already. G now. Up upcoming um, and that was the new releases and the upcoming releases. At StarWarsFanWorks.com and just in fan audio in general. Um, of course, June, you're listening to our ninth episode right now. So obviously you know that's Number come out. Nine. Number nine. Number nine. <laughs> Cro- Number nine. Chrono Radio Number 15. That's a Beatles song. I bet it is. Chrono Radio 15, the fine arts episode. He's pr- I, I heard that he's going to be sticking his pinky out every time he says anything. His finger. Nice. His finger. Is he going to um, have the men on? <laughs> <laughs> it's raining, man. Hallelujah. <laughs> Welcome to Mint on Art. <laughs> Is he going to give it th- stuff like three snaps up in a circle? <laughs> You know, I bet he will. <laughs> and that's coming out June 1st, the same day that this has come out. Um, so actually, it's an upcoming release as of us recording it, but it'll be out when you're listening to this. So, um, <laughs> wow. Radio. Also, and this will not, we're not sure when this will be released. However, we will be at Con Carolinas June 4th through 6th. Um, it will be us and Chrono Radio joined together as Voltron fighting evil at, at Con Carolinas. We'll have quite a few uh, audio sessions there. We've got Star Wars on Direct number 19 is coming out June 13th, or they will record live and broadcast live June 13th. Star Wars on Direct number 20 will be coming uh, will be broadcast live June 27th. Our next episode after this one, number 10, will, of course, will come out in July. Uh, Star Wars on Direct number 21 will air July 11th, and Star Wars on Direct number 22 will air July 25th. Are they going to go to Con Carolinas and interview Alan Dean Foster? No, they're not, because it's going to be the other shows that are doing that, us and Chrono Radio. Oh. All right, now, June is a huge month for conventions. It's my conventions. birthday. I'm going to turn 25. Your birthday is in June? Yeah. Oh, cool. What day? June 23rd. June 23rd. So everybody send gifts and well wishes to Janine on her birthday. I'm going to be 25. I'm going to be old. Ah, but, you know, another coincidence, other stuff is happening in June besides, or in July besides your birthday. I thought you said June. June, June yeah, in June, right? You said your birthday is in June. June, right? you said July. Yeah, I don't know why I said July. 
You freak. There's more stuff going on in June, actually. There's quite a few conventions, oddly enough. Uh, Con Carolinas is coming June 4th through 6th. We've been promoting the hell out of that. Harry Potter 2! Harry Potter 3! Well, we're not talking about that in conventions. Um, Con Carolinas, which is uh, occurring in Charlotte, North Carolina. Star Wars guests are Alan Dean Foster. Joe Caroni, who is a, an amazing Star Wars artist, done quite a few uh, stuff for um, Star Wars Insider. Um, We've got Albin Johnson of uh, he's the founder of the 501st and <laughs> and us and though, Chrono Radio and Chrono Radio will also be there as well as a lot of uh, regional 501st group. Um, there's quite a few events like charity auction, costume contest, stormtrooper Minuteman contest, which we are emceeing, as well as sci-fi screen test, which is apparently a Star Trek, Star Wars sci-fi. Whose line is it anyway? You may want to get in on that one. Wow. And and plus gaming. You can visit their website at www.secfi.org slash con carolinas. We've also got the Mighty Minicon going on in Syracuse, New York, June 5th through the 6th. Uh, Star Wars guests are Jeremy Bullock, Sean Crawford, who played Yak Face, and Tim Dry, who played a Whippet. And you can visit their website at www.mightyminicon.com. Also, AdventureCon in Knoxville, Tennessee, June 5th through 6th. Uh, Star Wars guests are Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, and Felix Sela, who was the hang, hang, the hang glider Ewok. You can go to www.adventurecon.com. Also June 6th, busy weekend, Comic Book and Card Show in Falls Church, Virginia. Star Wars guest is Shannon McRandall, who, of course, is the promotional, uh, the promotional model for Mara Jade. And you can visit their website at www.adventurecon.com. C-A-P- hey, I'm going. CAPicons.com slash 040606 That's a pretty big one. Just go to, go to, uh, the fanforce, or go to theforce.net, check out their cons page, and you can get that. Hot chicks, of course I'm website. going. No, I'm going to be at Con Carolinas. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's Con Carolinas. Yeah, well, you can't go to that. You know what? I'll, 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 I'll catch you next time, hot <laughs> Mara Jade chick. <laughs> FanzillaCon is in Worcester, uh, Massachusetts, June 11th through the 13th. Star Wars guests are Trey Stokes, who played, uh, who did Pink Five, and Ryan Weber, who is a LucasArts effects artist now. Um, also, of course, uh, made the fan film Ryan vs. Dorkman and has a, an amazing website um, that does a lot of uh, fan film tutorials and everything. And, of As course, we all love Pink Five and Weber yes. versus Dorkman. Yes, or and... Uh, and also uh, Chris Hannell, co-director of the formula. Um, and that's it for cons. And that's it for us also. Um, well, we've got some thanks to give out. We'd like to um, thank you to the uh, to the Stro. Uh, you can visit him at thestro.com. Thank you for his uh, his wonderful interview. Thank you, Stro. Uh, I'd like to thank Keith Abbott and Nathan Butler for the rebuttals. Uh, thank you, Chris Birchie, for the Galaxy segment, and Maddie Canasta for the Trek Switch ad. And I would just like to say that this episode was brought to you by the letters A-D-D. A-D-D. What was that you just said? What? 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 A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, it is a period of civil war. The Dark Lords of the Sith, led by Darth Bane and Lord Khan, have won a hard-fought victory against the Jedi forces of Lord Hoth. Now, 
they descend upon the planet Dagobah, where even now the forces of light prepare to face their own demons before battling the darkness to come. Little do they... Can you believe this? Little do they know that... Hey, Nathan, I say, can you believe this? Dude! What? I'm trying to be all narration-like here and you're discombobulating my dramatic juju. What's your damage? Site's not working. Again. Let me see that. Dude, I'm telling you, it's not working. Hang on. A, uh, Rich? Yeah? Yeah. It's not working. I don't know why you even bother with this free web hosting crap. Look, you've got banners all over the place. Pop-ups and the space and bandwidth they give you makes Warwick Davis look like Peter Mayhew. <laughs> Whoops. Lost me on that one. It's minuscule genius. Yeah, well, I'm not paying enough to buy a new BMW for hosting, man. We'll deal with it. And if you can't get your new project online when it's done because your web provider sucks? Okay, yeah, then I'll have a problem. Have problems you will not. If Nexus.net you use, yes! Yoda! Nexus.net? Well, let's check it out. Looking for a great web host you are? No further you look. Check out Nexus.net. Oh, wow, man. $19.95 a month for a year of this small business package. Uh, 20 gigs of bandwidth, CGI scripting, 450 megs of space, 30 email boxes, FTP access, up to 30 MySQL databases, SSL, and up to 30 subdomains. Hey, hey, <gasps> this one might fit my gal pal's little site. Gal pal? Hey, shut up and act excited, will ya? Yeah. 0.5 gigs of transfer, 20 megs of space, email and FTP access for 4.95 a month on a yearly plan. That's less than I usually spend on lunch. All these packages, I don't know which to go for. You think the big one? 44.95 a month on a yearly plan for 35 gigabytes of bandwidth, 550 megs of space, 100 email boxes, 10 FTP accounts, 100 databases, SSH, SSL, static IP address, 100 subdomains and CGI scripting. Yeah! Dude, do you even know what half of that stuff is? I have no idea what this stuff is, but hey, with this price, I'll learn. But if your project really starts to kick some tail and we need some more? Easy, that is. Yes. Nexus.net will customize a special plan just for you. And the bigger the site, the bigger the discount you get on hosting. Size matters not. Not according to a female, Sparky. Tell other fans about this, you should. We are. Right now. Hi, this is Rich Siegfried. And Nathan Butler. From StarWarsFanWorks.com. We hope you'll consider Nexus.net for your hosting needs. They maintain many well-known sites like Chud.com. And even wannabe prima donnas like Nathan here with StarWarsFanWorks.com. Who host a lot of big files by people like Rich with tiny brains with heavy traffic. And they're also the host for StarWarsWithAZ.com. We've had great luck with the Nexus.net service, and now we want to pass along the word to you. But that's not all, is it, you shameless promoter? No, it's not, my able-bodied sidekick in plugging. Star Wars fan audio creators who choose to host their files on a Nexus.net account. Which gives you a great hosting deal. And us, a new member of the fan audio family. Will be guaranteed an on-air interview for the project creators on either Requiem of the Outcast. Or Chrono Radio, to help you promote your project to new listeners. Yeah, it's not as good as, say, a chance to win a new car or something. But it's our little way of saying, hey, Nexus.net comes with our highest recommendation. That website again is Nexus.net. That's N-E-X-C-E-S-S dot N-E-T. They can spell net. Shut up.
that... What a hack. What the... Sorry, I thought I'd turn that off. No, they're hot. Yes, they are. Sound sounds good through the headphones. You gotta be angry. I'm rolling it out of an outcast. <laughs> 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 <laughs>